It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Rip City Drive, your afternoon commute distraction. You've spent all day slaving away. How much time would you say you spend each week dealing with these TPS reports? And now, your freedom is at hand. Let's get you geared up for the night. Racing to the LeafGuard Gutter Studios. Here is your host, Travis Demers. The Rib City Drive. Sports and life in the fast lane. Good afternoon. A happy Friday to you. The 17th day of March. 2017 if you celebrate st patrick's day well happy that to you too are you irish at all chad no i'm not either you you, you stripped down to your t-shirt yeah, i've never seen it like this before are you excited or well, what's going I'm, on i'm here? excited and it's hot in here and i've been drinking coffee and it's been a very <laughs> busy day well it's not just your fault i made the coffee run but i'm the same way right before a show this happens every time i get all excited and my body temperature rises and I'll take off my jacket, and then I'll get cold, and I'll put it back on. It's really, it's like hot flashes. Yeah, that, I, I wore green today. Uh, it, I think this might literally be the only piece of green clothing that I wear. As, and I can hear you opening up your rock star over there. I'm pumped. It, it is a Green Bay Packers sweatshirt that I got at Lambeau Field in 2001. And it still fits, still smells like it's it's in pretty good shape. I don't wear it that often, but it's literally the only piece of green that I own. I intentionally didn't wear anything with green today just to annoy people. I see a lot of people wearing the weird hats. Oh, yeah. All decked out with scarves and stuff. Well, Some our buddy really Jay Mackin's coming by with balloon animals and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, get okay, a giant wiener down. balloon right yeah. outside of our window. It was scary. Right. Now, I, I am not Irish at all, but we all claim to be at least some point in our lives. We've all claimed to be a little bit Irish on St. Patrick's Day, maybe when we were 21. Or something like that, but we've all we've all claimed to have a little bit of that in us at some point. It's a Friday, so people, hey, it's a reason to get off work early and start the consumption. Yes, exactly. Yesterday was a beautiful day, so that was a good enough reason to get off early. Today's Friday, St. Patrick's Day. It's raining again. Who cares? But it's also March Madness, and there is a ton to get into it. That also a lot to get into with the Blazers. Evan Turner seems like he is going to be back tomorrow. We knew he was going to be on the road trip. He will be in Atlanta tomorrow for the game against the Hawks. He'll be in Miami Sunday for the game against the Heat. But it looks like he's going to play now. Yes. The question now, what does Terry Stotts do with his rotation? That is a very big question. We will address that question. Got some thoughts on that. Coming up a little bit later on today. So yesterday, I was very excited, and I know you were too, because we both did really well on our brackets. I had a perfect bracket until the Florida Gulf Coast game. I had picked them over Florida State. It was the only game that I got wrong. And, of course, I come in today, you know, pulling up the belt and the pants. Yeah, look at me. I only had one wrong yesterday. I'm in first place all the way around. And then uh, SMU lost. And what was the other one? There were a couple that I had today that lost. And, of course, if you have success on day one, you're talking about day one. It means absolutely nothing. And if you sucked on day one, it doesn't matter because you've got the whole rest of the tournament. I went 15-1 and one just by picking winners yesterday. And then today, I got I got punked by SMU. They're my first sweet 16 team to get bumped out. So I'm sure I'm not the only one because I would imagine the majority of people out there did not pick USC 
to take that opening round game. Well, especially if you're filling out your bracket on Sunday or Monday and you don't know who's going to win that USC-Providence game, it's very rare that someone will say, yeah, you know what, I think USC is going to go on through. Especially people who aren't necessarily college basketball fans. They don't get what that means. They just assume the other team is going to win. So you had just about everybody picking SMU today. How far did you have them is, is the question. Sweet 16, Elite 8, any of that stuff. So I'm pretty sure... Nobody had USC into at, at least this far by now, especially if you filled it out early. And God bless CBS and Turner for figuring this out a couple of years ago to where we have access yeah. to every single game. It's the way to do it. It's a lot of fun. And we're fortunate to have a couple of uh, screens here in the studio as well so we can watch tournament action. So hopefully everyone out there is feeling good. And I would imagine that some of the Duck fans may be feeling a little bit better today after a week of turmoil. Well, let me ask you this. Why? You beat Iona. Well, they played pretty well against Iona. I think maybe the exciting part for the Duck fans, the way the offense played. They're able to get out. They had a number of different guys step up and make contributions. And, yes, it's only Iona. But to play that well and not struggle in that game and move forward, and now they'll await the winner of Creighton and Rhode Island, I think you feel better if you're a Duck fan today. I, I do think you feel a little bit better. But here's the thing with that. Look, they, they scored 93 points today. That was very good. They shot 56%. That was awesome. They hit nine threes. That was awesome. But of those things they did well offensively today, how many of those things against a team that has a small lineup that is very guard heavy, that doesn't have a big inside presence, how much different would today's game have been with Chris Boucher? Probably about the same. You're right. I think most Duck fans who are close to the program, they probably feel a lot better after seeing him play. But you're right. I forgot about that with Iona being undersized. And, of course, that's to the Ducks' advantage without Boucher. But they came out and played well. The question is, moving forward now, will they continue to be able to to shoot the way they did today? Will their offense be as good? And then, more importantly, when it comes to uh, rebounds, shot blocks defensively without Boucher, will they continue to be able to match up well with a variety of different teams they're going to play? And, of course, in the future, some tough teams, whether it be Creighton, Rhode Island, and then potentially Louisville in the very near future. What do you know about Creighton or Rhode Island? Not much. Other than, like, where they're from? Well, I know Creighton because, of course, that's where Dana Altman coached. And they've had traditionally a very, very good program. Dougie McBuckets. Yes. And they're one of those teams that this time of year is accustomed to making a Sweet 16 run. So that's what you know about uh, Creighton. With Rhode Island, they've had a few good players play their NBA-type guys over the years as well. Lamar Odom's, like, the only one that comes to mind. Yeah, he would be the big-name ticket. And that was, like, 20 years ago. Yes. Rhode Island, they're okay. You know, They're Rhode Island. Creighton lost their point guard. That's an issue with them. And right now, I mean, they're down eight midway through the second half. Rhode Island looks like they're going to win this game. So if you're a Duck fan and you're trying to find out who the next opponent is going to be, you're probably watching this game anyway. But pay attention to Rhode Island because that's probably who you're, you're going to end up playing in your next game on Sunday. You know, they're a decent shooting team. Uh, they're a good rebounding team. Are they the kind of team that can beat Oregon? Well, they're an 11 seed. You're not going to see a lot of 11 versus 3 matchups, but they, they can rebound the basketball pretty well. They're fairly balanced, but they're just not nearly as talented as Oregon is. So I don't really see Rhode Island being a problem on Sunday, and I, I never really did to begin with uh, with either of these teams. What I saw the problem with was next weekend, Thursday or Friday against Louisville, and if you get through that, Saturday or Sunday against Kansas in Kansas City. That's where I saw the issue. Well, I think what I'm looking for for the Ducks is, you know, it's happened before in the tournament where 
you lose a guy to injury or you have to overcome great adversity. And sometimes those moments can bring a team together and you can, the coach can, and the guys can play above their abilities. So maybe you're looking for that type of momentum stretch for the ducks. But what I'm looking for is a couple of different things from them. Number one with Dylan Brooks, he's going to be so critical to everything that they do now. And he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. He's just got to stay out of early foul trouble. He had some difficulties with that in the Pac-12 tournament. If he can avoid the early fouls, he can stay out there for long minutes and continue to produce for the Ducks, which is great. Uh, one thing that's nice, too, in terms of picking up some of the scoring slack, Tyler Dorsey had a big Pac-12 tournament. He continued that today uh, in that tournament, 21, 23, and 23. He's going to need to continue that type of shooting yeah. and give them that extra effort when it comes to the rebounds. I also look at Jordan Bell. Uh, his shot blocking, his ability to rebound. He had another double-double today, I think 16 and 10. That type of production, particularly with the rebounds and the added help on defense, and it can be a team effort to help replace you know, what you had in Boucher. And I think the Ducks moving forward with their talent and their coaching and the fact they are very deep, it'll give them a chance in some of those matchups where maybe they really are missing someone like Boucher to get some of these other guys to step up and maybe – Accept the call a little bit sooner than they had expected. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right with all of those things. Look, Bell is going to be a, a big-time player and a very important with his ability to rebound the basketball. Uh, you know, coming off the bench, uh, Cavell Bigby-Williams is going to need to play well. He had six rebounds today in 15 minutes. All of those little things help. But, but let me ask you this, Chad, as a basketball fan and a fan of March Madness, you've been watching the tournament for a long time, right? Yeah. Okay. Off the top of your head, there's a reason why I didn't ask you this before the show. Yes. Off the top of your head, who are the individual players that had great tournaments that led their team either to an Elite Eight Final Four championship? Who are the guys that stand out to you as, man, that guy was awesome that year? Christian Leitner. Okay. Blake Griffin. Wally Zerbiak. Those are the individuals that come to mind right off the top of my head in terms of individual players who have who played well above their capabilities or put a team on their back and carried them. Now, it's interesting because all of those players are front-court players. What, the, the way that I – what pops into my mind is a guy like Miles Simon, right, for Arizona. He, wouldn't, he would be another great example. Right. Uh, Kemba Walker. Yes. Sh- Shabazz Napier. Uh, John Wall. Mario Chalmers. Um, you know, guys like that. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, Danny Manning. Well, yeah, Dan, of course, and I'm, I'm sorry you had to bring that up. And I'm thinking about more recent history. Mateen Cleaves, right? All of those players are all guards. They're all backcourt players. Yes. And that's what, to me, really matters. And, look, you, you can have a great frontcourt player, Anthony Davis or, you know, whoever it is. But the, the, team, the, the teams that had guys that put the team on their back and carried them when maybe the rest of their team wasn't great, and I'm not talking about the 95 UCLA team who was just stacked or some of the Kentucky teams. What about teams Bo Kimball at Loyola Marymount? He put his team well, on his back and took him deep. He did. And again, he he was a guard. Now, you also have to remember that team with Paul Westhead, they scored like 374 points a game. And that was shortly after Hank Gathers had passed away in, in the West Coast Conference Tournament here in Portland, actually. But that team was built to run the floor and score 120, 130 points a night. One guy can make a difference. Oregon is a very good basketball team. But if there is that one guy, it's Dylan Brooks. And he could be the guy that somebody in, I don't know, Louisiana 20 years from now remembers, oh, yeah, I remember the year that Dylan Brooks had that great run and led his team to a national championship the way that we talk about Shabazz Napier. Well, 
That's You're the right. only way. He could be. So, really, that's why it's going to be critical for him to stay out of foul trouble. He's going to play big minutes, of course. So you think he can be that special? I know Duck fans love him, and I'm impressed by his game, his competitive spirit, his athleticism. Is all I mean, the guy can do so many different things. If he gets hot and gets on a tear, he could. He right. could put that team on his back and carry them deep into the tournament. He can be, and that's the only way that I see it happening. I'm not being a duck homer today by any means saying that Dylan Brooks is going to lead this team to a title. No, that's the only way that this team is going to go to a title is if something like that happens with him. The other player that I like on their squad is uh, the other Dylan. Dylan, I always want to say Enos, but I think it's Ennis. Ennis, isn't it? Yeah, Tyler Ennis' brother. Yeah, so I like Ennis because he's a willing passer and he can do a little bit of everything on the floor. He's kind of like an Evan Turner or one of those types where he can rebound, he's a willing passer, he can distribute. Um, and I think those are the type of glue guys that the Ducks can really thrive on right now. So I, I just... Even without Boucher, I just like a lot of their different guys and the way they kind of blend together. And when you have Coach Altman, who I think is one of the more underrated coaches in all the country, it gives me hope yeah. that they can rise above an injury like this and be able to move forward. Because you're right, losing Boucher sucks, but they didn't lose Dylan Brooks. They've got, I mean, that guy has superstar potential to be one of those guys that we just mentioned, to be a Wally Zerbiak right. or one of the other several studs we mentioned to make his mark on the tournament. Sure. And look, they're they're a really good team. They're a they're a top ten team, but are they better than Louisville? And I don't think they are. Are they better than Kansas? I don't think they are. A three seed means you're still one of the top twelve teams in the country, and they are one of the top twelve teams in the country. You just got an unfortunate draw, just like last year playing Buddy Heald in the Elite Eight was an unfortunate draw. Yeah, that's true. But the good thing is, when you if you catch a team when they have an off night, maybe the three's not going, they're not making their shots then you can capitalize on those moments. Because even though if they go up against someone who's better, and there are a lot of good teams in this tournament, you may catch them on a bad night. Sure. Or with their defensive pressure and the way that Oregon likes to attack, maybe you can force turnovers and you can find other ways to kind of win a game. And, and they're going to need that. But that, that's what I like about Altman is that he's, he puts his guys in a position to have success. And really, that's, that's, what, that's what being a good coach is all about. Chad, where did you go to high school? Prairie. Really? Falcon Power. Prairie who, High School out in Brushbury, Washington. Who is the most famous prairie falcon you think ever that's a good question uh aside, aside from, from you me, aside okay. from you of course now you being one a it's probably dad dickow dan dickow in my mind because i'm more in the sports world so dickow is one of those guys but i would say if it's not dickow well no it's not dickow it's richie sexton okay richie right, sexton is probably the guy because he i think he hit 300 home runs in his career yeah had a he, big uh big league career with the uh, indians then he went to the brewers and of course the mariners so it's Richie, followed by Dan Dickow. By the way, you know what Richie Sexton is doing these days? I, well, I have a few ideas. What's he doing? Richie Sexton is a high school baseball coach, not even the head coach. He is an assistant coach at Summit High School in Bend. He is? Yeah. And actually, when we, we played against them two summers ago, Alan Embry, the, the former pitcher, the former reliever with the Red Sox, yes. he's the head coach. Richie Sexton is the assistant. They came out here playing the tournament at Aloha a couple summers ago. Those guys are cool dudes. You'll hate this, but Alan Emery actually did a deal out at Prairie, and I, I, I interviewed him several years ago, and it was on that incredible comeback against the Yankees in the playoffs. I'm, I don't remember that. What, what I happened? didn't think you did. So he did a whole speaking engagement on that and talked about being a part of that team and what that comeback was like and, of course, the bloody sock and all that stuff. So yeah. 
I didn't fake, mean to bring that up either. But, no, no, yeah. that, that, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. I'm just going to punch you I up. forgot about Emory. He, he's a big-name player, and he had a, he had a long, long and extended career. Major League career. Very successful. Anyway, back to Dan Dickow. You know what he's doing these days? A lot of different things. He's uh, in the barber game with the barbers, and, of course, he's uh, covering basketball. He is in Salt Lake City. He had the call of the Gonzaga game yesterday, of course, a proud Gonzaga alum. So we will head to Salt Lake City coming up next, and then Dan Dickow will join us and give us his thoughts on what he saw Falcon yesterday. Falcon power, baby. That is next. You've got the Rip City Drive. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Busy tournament Friday on the Rip City Drive. Yesterday was a huge day in Salt Lake City. Dan Dickow was on the call for Western One, and he joins us now. What's up, Dan? Oh, not too much. Just trying to uh, get some rest today after being a part of four exciting NCAA tournament games yesterday. But that's not very easy because i got to head over to the arena uh, shortly for, uh, for some interviews and, and prep for tomorrow's games. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, it's a pleasure to speak with a fellow uh, Prairie Falcon. And you were on the call for Vandy and Northwestern yesterday. Uh, I need your breakdown. What happened there with Matthew, uh, Matthew Fisher-Davis? He took the blame for the foul. He didn't understand the game situation. But what I want to know from you is who, whose responsibility is that? Is it on the player or the coach to make sure that the players understand exactly what the situation is? You know, it's on both to be honest with you. Um, they were out of timeouts, and they had actually used their last timeouts, I think, with about four minutes left. So they didn't really have much of a chance to, uh, you know, kind of confirm foul situation and timeout situation um, and different things like that, which all good coaches go through end-of-game prep. Uh, you know, but what I saw from my vantage point, and then I, it was confirmed, I saw the TV highlights is Bryce was pointing as a matchup. Matthew Fisher Davis, unfortunately, thought he was pointing as if to say, foul him, foul him. Um, and so he goes ahead and fouls McIntosh, who then obviously hits the two free throws. But at the end of the day, you as a player have to look at every dead ball situation at your coach for instructions for you know, where are you in the bonus? Where's the other team in the bonus? But, and if you don't do that, you should at least be looking up at the scoreboard 
and and having the sense of okay where are we at in this game are we up are we down foul situation so you know give that kid a ton of credit for stepping up and making big plays in the second half to get them back in the game but unfortunately he makes the the boneheaded play which is going to be remembered but you also got to give the kid credit because he stepped up in the interview after the game and said hey it's my fault you know i made a dumb a play uh you know so give him credit (laughs) Uh, because he wanted to take the brunt. But you just feel bad for the kid. And I feel bad for Bryce Drew uh, because he did a heck of a job throughout this season in his first year at Vanderbilt getting them to the NCAA tournament. So you're working with Kevin Kugler, who I think is, is one of, if not the best in the business at it. And you guys sitting there watching that unfold, how do you not just completely throw this kid under the bus for one of the biggest bonehead plays in college basketball history? <laughs> Well, again, you know, uh, there's a difference when you're, you know, calling a college game because, again, these are kids who are in college as opposed to pros who, uh, unfortunately, for right or wrong, you have to hold to a higher standard because they're getting paid a ton of money uh, to perform. So I think that's one of the things, you know, kind of read a couple articles this morning talking about some of the other big blunders in NCAA tournament history, you know, Freddie Brown throwing the ball to James Worthy, in the title game, Chris Weber's timeout. Uh, a couple of those are, are there. You know, for him, it doesn't lessen it anymore, but at least it was a first-round game, and it wasn't a, a title game like those other two were. Dan Dickout was with us on the Rip City Drive. So now Northwestern's going to move on face Gonzaga, and it, towards the end of the first half, early second half, I'm, I'm wondering and waiting when the Zags are going to start to pull away what was the difference there in the final 15 minutes or so that we didn't see early in that game? Well, I think South Dakota State had a really good plan of attack. They were, gonna, they were in a zone in that first half, and it was a packet-in zone where it was almost, we're going to double shim at Karnowski before he even catches the ball. We're going to dare Gonzaga to the outside. Um, they respected Gonzaga's outside shooting, but I think what they wanted was they wanted to dare them to beat them early and often from the three-point line. And, you know, in the NCAA tournament, it happens all the time. You get tight, you miss your first couple threes from the outside, and you start getting a little concerned about it. And so Gonzaga continued to chuck up the threes with a little bit of hesitancy in their mind. And so uh, I think that was a big part of it. Hey, Dan, I wanted your thoughts on three transfer guys for the Zags who have made an impact with Goss, Matthews, and Williams, just just part of the uh, – the entire team that's, uh, you know, made a big difference this year for the squad. Yeah, you know, Jordan Matthews, grad transfer, um, you know, he has been uh, inconsistent at times, but he's brought exactly what he needed this year with their roster. A guy to spread the floor. Um, you can't leave him open. He's played in big level, high-level games, being in the Pac-12 and haven't played in the NCAA tournament, so it was a great ad. You know, Jonathan Williams – from Missouri was a top 50 recruit out of high school. Um, he didn't like the direction of the program and, and where his career was going, and uh, he's been a perfect fit. He doesn't need a play run for him. Um, he's a junkyard dog. He gets on the offensive glass. He's great in high-low. He gets out in transition, and he did a great job defensively yesterday on Mike Dom. And then, you know, everybody's given Nigel Williams-Goss all this praise, and rightfully so because he's had a good year. Um, but, you know, what you're seeing with him is, He's been a solid college basketball player from the day he stepped on campus at UW. He just was never in a opportunity to, to put it on a big stage 
because UW was never going to make the tournament um, when he was there. We're talking with uh, former Gonzaga Bulldog and now with Westwood One, Dan Dickow here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Uh, in regards to Oregon, the Duck fans are freaking out right now uh, with the loss of Chris Boucher. So I'll ask you, what do you think is going to be the key to replacing him as they move forward in the tournament, particularly with his length and, of course, the scoring punch he provides off the bench? Yeah, they're just going to have to go small. I mean, uh, Bigby Williams I don't think is the answer, um, but you're going to have to play him a little bit. You know, Jordan Bell, to me, um, is the best pro prospect on that team. Um, but he is, but it's not because of his scoring ability. He's going to have to pick it up a little bit on the scoring end. You know, the thing that scares me now with Boucher out, there's a few more shots to spread around. Does Dylan Brooks try to get a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end because he's about as aggressive as they come? Does he try to place too much pressure on his shoulders to do a little bit more? Um, you know, but I thought they had four, Final Four potential before the injury. Um, unfortunately for Duck fans, I don't see it now. Um, but being a West Coast guy, I hope they can figure it out. And if there's a guy that can figure it out, it's Dana Altman because he's a heck of a coach. Looking at some of the other games you saw yesterday, Arizona was was one of the more dominant teams. And really the, the ones and twos weren't all that dominant yesterday, but, but Arizona was, especially in the second half. Why can they win a national championship? Lori Markkinen. Uh, I mean, he is unbelievably impressive for a freshman. Seven-footer, he can score around a basket with either hand. He's great in the mid-range game as far as, especially when teams go zone, he's good at finding the nail, the, the elbow areas, and, and can knock down that shot. But then he can also go pick and pop and knock it down from well beyond the three-point line. Um, I, I think he's a big-time key uh, for them, obviously. You know, but they're they're limited in my opinion scoring the ball from the perimeter i know alonzo trier um scores it at 17 game but he hasn't impressed me as much as his kind of reputation precedes him i think they've got holes in their point guard play in particular parker jackson cartwright and kadeem allen if they go up against a big time point guard at some point in the tournament um they can put foul pressure on those guys get them out of the game and then I don't know where Arizona turns. Um, right. But that being said, I mean, there's a reason they've won, I think it's 10 out of the last 11 games now. There's a reason they're a two-seed. Um, uh, there's a reason they're uh, a lot of people's favorites to come out of the West and make a Final Four. So easier said than done. Um, but I, I think St. Mary's is going to give them a heck of a matchup on Saturday. With marketing, you know, the, uh, before the Nurkic trade around here, marketing was one of those guys that Blazers fans said, "Oh, we we got to go get that guy." But I don't I don't know how well he translates to the NBA, especially on the the defensive end. How, how long of a transition period do you think it's going to be before he's a, a an impact NBA guy if he does come out this year? And is it is is he a guy you'd take a chance on very early? Uh, not very long for transition. He, he is unreal. I mean, he is seven one. He is long. Uh, I see Dirk Nowitzki all over him um, when I watch him play. The way he handles the ball and the way he moves uh, does not make you think seven-footer. It makes you think he's about a six-eight, extremely smooth. And then his touch around the basket, he had a move the other day, um, went left, which actually he goes better left uh, as a righty, which um, for a big guy like that's impressive. He went left, took the contact from somebody, had the ball palmed in his left hand, and then he was able to snake it around the defense 
and finish it with touch with his left hand. It was unbelievably impressive right there. Um, you know, I was like, okay, he, that's a pro. That's a pro move. And obviously, you know, I think he's a top seven pick, and he could even move up even higher. He is that good. Yeah. Dan Dickow is with us, former Gonzaga Bulldog, former Prairie Falcon. Yes. Chad, I know you always want to Blazer, get that in there. Blazer's assistant coach. Exactly. He's done it all. And now he's crushing it in the, uh, in the uh, radio game. Nice work, D. Appreciate it, Chad. Yeah, you know, the one nice thing about calling the Arizona-North Dakota game, Chad, and you'll appreciate this, there was a player from Vancouver, Keenan Walter, freshman from Kingsway. That's right. Uh, former Dan Dickow Basketball Academy player. That's where my daughter goes to school North now. Dakota. Yeah. Awesome. Well, he scored a bucket in the final minute of the game against Arizona, so it was great to see Vancouver get on the board in the NCAA tournament this year. Dan, I know it's a busy weekend for you, and you just have a lot of fun, and thanks so much for carving out a few minutes for us. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Dan. Absolutely. No worries. Thanks, guys. All right, Dan Dickow, he's in Salt Lake City. He's going to have a couple of good games to call now with uh, Arizona-St. Mary's. That, that'll that be a good game because St. Mary's, I mean, you always assume they're good, especially because they have all the Australian players, but they, they gave Gonzaga a run for their money a couple of times this year. He's right about one thing. Markinen did look nice last night, and I, I was going to ask you about a lot of people like Zona to make a Final Four run, but how good did they look to you last night in that first game? They looked really good, and because it was it was effortless, and that can be a problem in the NCAA tournament, if if anywhere. And look, in, in the first round game, when you're playing somebody who's a nobody, Michigan State fell into this last year. We saw Georgetown fall into this against Florida Gulf Coast. If you're playing someone that's a cupcake, you can't take them lightly. It's much different in basketball than it is in football because you have guys who can hit shots, and that's what you know th- that they were able to do last night. But to me, they looked like the team that was just getting comfortable, just getting their feet wet, and then boom, hit the gas, and you're like, oh, oh, there they are. That's Arizona. What'd you make of Gonzaga's performance? I mean, they struggled early, but they poured it on late. What'd you think about the Zags in game number one? Well, I, I thought Dam was was spot on. I thought I, I completely agree with what he said. They 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 pressed. They pressed early. They pressed a lot. Okay, let's just take a lot of threes. That's what we can do. Let's just take a lot of threes, and it didn't work out. They were losing late in the first half of that game. It was really close early in, in the first half, and then they they took over when they were more balanced, when they were more physical, when they played better defense, caused turnovers. There were some easy missed layups in that game, and it's because their defense forced them to miss layups. That led to transition baskets. Uh, eventually, they figured it out. They should be a number one seed. They are. It just took a little while before they they got South Dakota State off you know off their off their feet. I really respect Mark Few a lot. I hope brackets aside, I hope we see that eventual matchup with Arizona and Gonzaga. I want to see them play, and I want to see how that goes down in the tourney. I, I think we will. And look, we, we've talked about this before, that you know Gonzaga is at a point where they are a national brand. It took a long time. It, it took you know, probably a good 10 years before they became a national brand. It started with that Elite Eight run, if it was in 1999, when they eventually lost to UConn, who won the national title that year. People are like, oh, who the hell's Gonzaga? Well, you learn who they were. They're Gonzaga. There are other teams that are trying to do that. VCU did that a little bit, but they haven't been able to sustain the success. Uh, Butler absolutely has done that. Illinois State tried to do that this year. They couldn't. Wichita State has been up and down, but Gonzaga is the poster child for mid-major programs that don't have any business being good at all and becoming a nationally recognized perennial top 10 team. 
What is a successful season for the Zags this year? Do they need to win it all? No. Or a trip to the Final Four to finally get there and to reach that point that they haven't tasted before? No, I, I think it's Final I think it's Final Four. Because they, they they get close. I mean, we all remember the Adam Morrison crying game, right? We all yeah. remember that situation. But that was a team that underachieved. They did underachieve. When they were the last time they were a number one seed, they got to the second round and played Wichita State, and Wichita State beat them when they were a number one seed. They can't have something like that happen again. They've got to make a sustained run. And I, I don't think Final Four is good enough because if they if they don't get there, and there's nothing wrong with the number one seed getting to an Elite Eight and losing. But the perception is is that, well, they'll never do it. They, they can't do it. They'll never get there. So in order to get the respect from everybody else, getting to the Final Four, I think, is enough. What else can they do? I mean, if you go there, they have nowhere else to go in terms of conference or making a move, right? They're best off staying in the West Coast there Conference. There is zero chance of them ever going to another conference. They're not going to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 isn't going, going to invite somebody in as a full-time member that doesn't have a football program. So there's, there's 0% chance of that happening. And, you know, looking at the tournament now is exactly why Boise State's not in, in the Pac-12 because they their basketball program is it's, it's a decent little, you know, program, but they're, they're never going to do anything in the tournament. Maybe a first round, maybe they'll win a first round game. They're stuck because on the West Coast, there aren't a lot of options. On the East Coast, you look at Butler, right? Where did Butler come from? They came from the Horizon League which is now, it's, it's a bad league again. But that was a league that had, like, you know, Wright State and teams like that. And, well, with the mass exodus in the Big East, they found themselves in the Big East. Creighton goes from the Missouri Valley Conference to the Big East because they built a program up. There's nowhere for Gonzaga to go. You're right. That's why I hope that this is a year where they finally can get over the hump and take that program to new heights. And Mark Few is one of those guys, like Altman, one of the best coaches in the country, but still flies a bit under the radar. But he's got himself quite the factory there in Spokane. B wants to know what long means. He says he's always wondered, long arms what? That means, yeah, you got long arms, you got a long body. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Long. Yeah, length. When you talk about guys who are long or lengthy, those are the type of guys you're talking about. You Someone can who can get out there and length. cause a lot of problems with their length in the passing lanes, shot blocking. Guys who have great length can cause great disruption on a floor, on a basketball floor. Coming up next, we'll get back to the Blazers. Evan Turner will return. We'll hit it at the top of the hour. Up next, though, we'll take a final look at San Antonio from the other night. You got the Rip City Drive. 15 in front of the hour on a Friday afternoon. Rip City Drive. Travis Demers, Chad Doing, hanging out with us today for the rest of the afternoon. 
Blazers got a very big win the other night. A little surprising the way they embarrassed themselves against the New Orleans Pelicans. Terry Stotts was pretty happy with it. That had to be probably our best win of the year to be a team like San Antonio on the road. Um, and not only that, but but how we won. Um, I thought it's one of our better games as far as staying focused throughout the game um, with withstanding some of their runs, the crowd, a lot of good performances, obviously Dame. Uh, offensively was was fantastic. Uh, I thought Alfredo Camino's defense, post defense on Gasol and Aldridge were was was big time. Noah Vonley probably had his best game of the season at both ends of the court. So it's uh, uh, a very satisfying win. He's right, Trav. It was very satisfying. I, I, the night before in New Orleans, I I don't know exactly how you would describe it. I called it the most uninspiring performance of the season. Season low in points. They had no energy. They just looked like a team that was flat tired. And so I didn't have a lot of hope going into San Antonio. And they came out. And when I say best performance of the year, it came in several different ways. I think what impressed me the most was their energy and their effort from start until finish. It was 48 minutes of basketball. And the execution on both ends was very good. But especially on defense. You know, fighting over the pick and rolls. uh, Contesting shooters. And on offense, a number of different guys getting involved, but they made their threes. They took advantage of their opportunities. And when guys had to step up and knock down free throws, they were clutch. That's not an easy place to play. San Antonio needed that game. They're challenging the Warriors right now for that top spot in the West. So for the Blazers to be able to go in there and get that win, their best of the season. Now look at the rest of the road trip. Going into the five-game trip, I thought, man, three and two would be awesome and now they're 2-1, and one, and they just have to grab one of the next two, whether it be Atlanta or Miami, it doesn't matter. You come back yeah. with three out of five on the road, and now 10 of your next 13 are at home. That win was phenomenal, and it came at the least expected time coming off that horrible performance against the uh, Pelicans. Wednesday, you're getting ready to do warm-up, and I had been you know, doing other stuff around the office, and I, I popped in here for a minute before you went on the air, and I said, all right, Chad, I'll see you later. Have a good show. Let's hope we get one tonight. And in a very Chad doing way, you go, we need this. <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. And I, I admitted this on the postgame show going into it. You know, uh, Jay and I talked before every game and I said, is there any way? And we both laughed and we said, no, they're going to go out and get their ass kicked tonight. And they didn't. They showed up and that was a good team effort. And that's what was most impressive to me. It wasn't about one guy or two guys. It was a team effort, whether it was Dame who continues his MVP play or down to the bench and the effort from Amino on defense. Everyone that played made a contribution to get that win, and you have to have that to be able to go into San Antonio and beat the Spurs. That's a legit team with a number of different players who can kill you, and it came on a night when uh, Kawhi Leonard had a big-time game, but the Blazers were able to hold them off and execute defensively, and that's what I got the most pride from. We all have a probably a family member more than a friend, but a friend or a significant other that, that maybe they're a little off balance upstairs, you know, and... You never know when you wake up if you're going to get, like, the good person or the bad person or the crazy person. They're just a different person on a day-to-day basis, but they're important to you for one reason or another. So you stay in their lives and vice versa. And we all have that person to deal with. The Blazers are that person for all of us that are Blazers fans because you never know what they're going to get. You never know how they're going to react to a certain situation. You're going to get a New Orleans game. Or, and then you'll get a San Antonio game. Or you'll get a Washington game in Washington. And then you'll get a Cleveland game here. And you, 
Who the hell are they? I don't know. That's I, the problem. Well, I think what that is, and I have to remind myself of this a lot, but they're the youngest team in the NBA. Yes. And with youth, you're going to have those type of mistakes. And I can't imagine what it's like being Terry Stotts game in and game out, not really knowing what he's going to get from his guys. He was probably just as surprised with as well as they played as we were um, coming off that game against New Orleans. But the youth, it's going to show up at times, and, and we've seen it over and over and over again this year. But that was a big win. And I want to start with Dame. He took a lot of criticism, and a lot of people have been on his back about the hero ball and forcing shots and so forth. But now look at what he's done. I think he's second in the league in scoring since the All-Star break. He Mm -hmm. got that rest. His ankle's feeling better. He had 36 points in that win against San Antonio. He was the only one that showed up for the game in New Orleans. And his offense during that San Antonio game was big time. But he's playing like an MVP again. And when he's doing those types of things... I think it gives other guys confidence, but he is now confident in what he's doing. You can tell his body feels better. And when he's scoring points in bunches, like we saw against San Antonio, where I think he had like 13 points in the third quarter when they regained the lead, it just makes a difference for this team. And now we're seeing more balance. But Dame, we got to give him credit. He has stepped his game up to the next level. He was the one before the uh, second half started after the All-Star break, Trav, that said, it's time for us to man up. He's been a man of his word. He's gone out there. He has definitely nutted up, and he's playing so good right now. Right. He deserves credit for that type of play. Look, there was a reason why there was a portion of Blazers fans that was like, "What? what's wrong with Dame? Why are we talking about trading CJ? Damien's the one who's not playing well right now. And I, I understand that because he wasn't playing well. Well, now he's mostly back to being the Damian Lillard that, that we knew for the first four years of his career. And I'm not saying, well, see, this is exactly the reason, but these are the kinds of things that you expect to get from him. And when you start to get to a point where you don't expect them anymore, then there's a problem. If it's a month or two, okay. But that month or two has come and gone. And now, because of what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, we expect it. And it should be a surprise if we don't get it, not the other way around. Yeah. And so now when he doesn't ball out the rest of the way for this season, I'll be stunned. Now, we've got to talk about Nurkic. I I mean, I'm still popping severe rod for this guy. He's incredible. But this is what I love about his game against San Antonio. He was quiet for about the first three quarters. And then they really started getting him involved on the offensive end in that fourth quarter. He had 10 points, four boards in the quarter. Finished with 16 points. Nine rebounds, four steals, and three assists. And this is the best part about that. He didn't even play that well. (laughs) He missed a lot of shots at point-blank range. He missed a couple of free throws, which he's made in the past as a blazer. And he had that horrible turnover where he threw the ball out of bounds. He had still had 16 and nine with four steals. His skill level is off the charts. And think about it. As he gets more comfortable and as he gets his wind under him, his legs under him, He's going to make those shots. He could have had a monster night. We're just scratching the surface with Nurkic. He made a big-time impact in that game. And now what you're seeing is, as he's getting more used to the, to the lineup and his teammates, that, that pick-and-roll in the fourth that they used between Dame and Nurk or CJ and Nurk was deadly, and San Antonio had a lot of problems with it. Yeah, and he talked about that after the game. The overall do a great job with that whole game, but we fight and um, stay together whole game, and uh, we we kind of you know play our game, not play if we play when they pace. We kind of you know getting too slow. Uh, when we run and uh, do both, we can we can beat everybody in this league. That's so good. That was really effective, and we're going to see more of that 
And this is where the hope comes into play. He's 22, Travis, 22. And he's already doing so many different things. With each game, you can see his confidence rising. He, he's more, he's being encouraged to be aggressive. And we're seeing that now with the skill level. It's going to continue to pay off. But when your center can go out on, a, on not his best night and sprinkle yeah. the stat sheet with 16-9, four steals, three assists, the sky right now is the limit for Yusuf Nurkic. I am pumped, and that was big time. He stepped up again. He made his best plays and his worst plays in the fourth. As he continues to get used to the game, he'll cut down on the turnovers. It's just going to get better. It will. And, I, I again, I, I like the fact that there's somebody other than Damian and CJ to get the job done. If it's just those two guys, they might play well. They might put up big numbers, but you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. Having another option, and again, somebody who is not a similar type player, not Alan Crabb, not Evan Turner, and they're not similar, but but close enough as far as the position. Having somebody that is a completely different player who can help add something to your game, it adds a dimension, and you need to have a multi-layer team to win. Yes, and don't underestimate the energy And the way he's impacting his teammates, the Nurkic effect, look at Noah Vonley. He has played out of his mind over the last week. I think he hit every shot he took against the Spurs, and he didn't turn it over. If they get more play like that from him, from Aminu, from these other guys he's having an impact on, or even Harkless, they're going to continue to play better down the stretch. All right, coming up next, Evan Turner is back. ET! Maybe a little sooner than we thought. What does that mean? He talked today at practice. So did Terry Stotts. We will hear from them coming up next as we continue on on the Rip City Drive. Jerry Allen going to join us from Sacramento today at 420. You've got the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. This is the Rip City Drive, your afternoon commute distraction. You've spent all day slaving away. How much time would you say you spend each week dealing with these TPS reports? And now, your freedom is at hand. Let's get you geared up for the night. Racing to the LeafGuard Gutter Studios. Here is your host, Travis Demers. The Rip City Drive, sports and life in the fast lane. Hour two of three on a Friday. Chad doing hanging out with me today. It is a very busy day. A lot of tournament stuff to get to. The Ducks get the big win. They move on. They will face Rhode Island. Jerry Allen going to join us in about 15 minutes from now. We Uh, actually have the women's tournament on in studio, Trav. A number two seed could go down. Oregon State right now is losing to or is beating Long Beach State by one with 15 seconds left. And a big rejection but a foul on the floor. So uh, it'll be, are they in the bonus yet? No, they're not in the bonus yet. So uh, Long Beach State has the ball down by one to the Beavers, 13 and a half seconds left. This would not be good for Oregon State. (laughs) No, it would not be good. It was bad enough for the men this year. I'd hate to see the women get knocked out right now. That'd be horrible. Especially because they didn't have Connecticut in their region or on their side of the bracket. So if they were going to make a run, they wouldn't have to play UConn until the uh, national championship game at the buzzer. No, and Oregon State wins. There you go. So the Beavers survive and advance. <sighs> That's good. There we go. All right. Hope Mike Parker as well. <laughs> well, actually, it's uh, Ron Callen that, that does the uh, the women's radio. So Ron Callen. I hope Ron Callen's well then. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm sure he, he's okay right now. Shacker's been monitoring the call. Have you been listening that whole time, Mike? Is Ron able to to keep his composure with the uh, the, the threat? He was a little nervous, but uh, I think he's he's relaxed now. Okay, good. You know what I, I love about Ron Callen, by the way, before we get back into the Blazers and the Evan Turner stuff? He, he's, a, he's a few years older than us, right? He's old school broadcaster. Yeah, he is. And you just you get the impression originally when you get to know someone, you talk to somebody like that, that they're that they're very by the book, very old school, very kind of buttoned up. When you get to know Ron and you really get to know Ron, that dude is more entertaining than you could possibly imagine. But buttoned up on the mic. On the mic, very absolutely. Yeah. Personally, that guy is awesome to have a conversation with off air, awesome to go grab a beer with. He he is an entertaining dude and you would have no idea i like ron callen big fan all right you know who i'm a big fan of right now evan turner because he's back he is coming back terry stotts now this was after uh was this this was yesterday at practice right or was this after the game on uh, wednesday no i think this is practice today well the first one is from from yesterday Oh, the first one's from yesterday? Yeah, that first one's not from today, I don't think. Anyway, it doesn't matter when it's from. Well, I'm just trying to think of the report that I saw originally that came out from Jason Quick was that he was going to join the team in Atlanta on yeah, Thursday, that came out and yesterday. I think they practiced yesterday. Right. I mean, so, today. Yeah, they did. This is from before that. Okay. So first, let's play the initial uh, quote from Terry Stotts talking about whether or not a player assumes his starting position right back. I've never really been been a believer in that. You know, the adage where you don't lose your starting spot due to injury, uh, circumstances change. That being said, if, if Damian were to get hurt, I think he'd come back and start, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, do, I don't think it's uh, – I would never make that blanket statement. Okay, now today at practice, this was in Atlanta, here's a Q&A with the media. I believe Joe Freeman is the one asking the question. Everybody wants to know if he's going to start or not. I know how you love that question. It's yeah. kind of hard to work a guy back in into a starting role yeah. when you guys are playing so well, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> well said. Is there anything you can offer on that subject beyond no, hard I, answers? No, I thought you uh, worded it very well. Terry Stotts is uh, hes an interesting guy. I like me some Terry Stotts. But, yeah, I mean, that, the, the point is that Evan Turner's been out for 13 games now, and this team has played pretty well. It's not because Evan Turner's been out. It's mostly because Evan, uh, because Yusuf Nurkic has been able to, to, to come into this team and change some things around. But now that he's back, the first question is, is he going to play tomorrow? Hopefully so, yeah. I mean, I, we haven't completely made that determination, but most likely. So you expect to see him tomorrow. You expect to see him Sunday. How much, we don't know. But now what does that mean for this team? Well, the first clip that we heard that he made about a week and a half ago at the Modus Center when when he was uh, when we knew that Evan Turner was feeling better, I actually went up to Joe Freeman and asked him about that particular quote. And I said, "What do you think is going to happen here?" Because Terry Stotts doesn't reveal anything about his starting lineup, and he'll hold on to it till right before game time, just to give himself a bit of an edge. And so here's the situation. And Joe agreed with me on this, that if the Blazers had gone through this recent stretch the last couple of weeks and dropped five or six games or they had dropped four or five or gone through a a losing spell, they'd probably put Evan Turner back in the starting lineup because you wouldn't have anything to lose. Sure. But they've played their best stretch of basketball now over the last couple of weeks. Or With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Really, ever since, you know, Yusuf Nurkic was acquired from Denver. So I think what you're going to see right now, they're going to keep Evan Turner on the bench. They're going to continue to give him playing time so he can slowly get himself back into game shape and get a feel for the game because he's been out for an extended period of time. And Mo Harkless will continue to start. There is no reason whatsoever to change the starting lineup right now. The Blazers are playing well. Harkless is playing the best ball he's played all year. You've got a good rotation. Evan Turner can go to the bench and come back in and give them some extra depth. You're getting the best play from basically just about everyone right now between Dame and CJ. Obviously, Nurkic is playing out of his mind. And even Noah Vonley and Mo Harkless playing their best ball of the season. So I think it's going to stay like that the rest of the year. What happens as we get to potential playoff time, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't think we're going to see an immediate change with the starting lineup. I like that call. No reason to disturb the type of uh, rhythm that they have with the uh, starting lineup. And keep in mind, Evan Turner has not played with Nurkic on the floor yet. He got hurt before Nurkic came over. So no need to rush that. Stick with what you got, and you have time to bring Turner off the bench and get him back into the flow. Let me ask you this, Chad, and going even back to last year. okay, Take Damian and CJ out because they're starters, period. But what happened when Al Farouk Aminu got injured and he came back? Did he start the very first game right away? No. Last year when Myers Leonard, now he eventually lost his starting spot, but Myers Leonard was a starter. Gets hurt, comes back. He was not a starter right away. Same thing when Yusuf Nurkic came over. His first game, he was not a starter. There's no reason and no need to just say, plug it in. Here you go. Back to normal. Let's go. It doesn't work like that. No, there's only two guys on the team that have that status. That's Dame and CJ. If they're hurt and they come back, if they're ready to go, they're going to start and they're going to play. That's just how that's going to go. Everyone else, it's open for debate. You know, what's working? What's the best mix? And right now, with or without Evan Turner, they're playing their best ball with him on the sideline. And Nurkic is used to the guys he's playing with right now. You've got him into the flow with Vonley and with Harkless. So continue to roll with it. When you put Evan Turner out there, and if you were to start Evan Turner tomorrow, now that he's healthy, we don't even know how well he's going to play with Nurkic. It's going to take a while to get a feel. I don't want to disrupt what they have going with the starting five right now. My concern is that it took him, what, 45 games, 40 games-ish to get into a flow with this team. Okay, and then he's missed about you know 13 games or so. How long is it going to take to get him back into it? I won't take 40 games because he already got himself in, into the mix of things. But how long now to get him back to shape, number one? And number two, to see what we saw with him in that flow once we got to see him going? That's a good question. My biggest concern would be how much of an impact is that going to have on Alan Crabb, who's playing also his best ball of the season right now. It was early in the season where it was Crabb and Turner who struggled to kind of find their footing together in that second unit. So I just hope that Turner coming back, and he'll 
be with the second unit doesn't disrupt what Alan Crabb's got going on because Crabb lately off the bench has been instant offense. He's been confident. He's been looking to score. Uh, they had a meeting between Coach, CJ, and Crabb to facilitate ways to get him the ball, and it's been working very well. I just hope it doesn't disrupt what Crabb has going on. So I would bring back Turner slowly, work him into the mix, and see where things go from here. And if you keep winning games, stick with the start, starting five you've got. Well, you want to hear what Evan Turner had to say about it? Yes. This is what he talked about getting back into shape. Actually, I've been doing nothing but rehab. So past two days, I began at least an hour on the court. And, you know, every single day I've been, you know, doing sprints and stuff. So, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm – I didn't go naturally full court, but I did some pretty, you know, some pretty intense one-on-ones and stuff. He also had this to say about getting back to game action. The hand didn't hurt at all. Obviously, I'm playing with a strap and a little brace over it, too. So, you know, once again, this past few days, it's been trying to get back to getting, uh, you know, the grip of the ball. That's the biggest thing. And obviously, just getting my, my body used defensively and, uh, you know, just sliding and everything. I stripped the ball a couple of times with my right hand and, um, you know, made some moves and, you know, tried to work on the stuff I've been doing on my left hand as well. There are two things when coming back from that kind of injury. The number one most important thing. Well, coming, let everyone know you had the same injury. I, I did. I had the same injury. I had it twice. Now, I was an idiot and punched a cinder block wall and broke my hand in college. Circumstances Yeah, aside. circumstances. The other time, I like to say that I dropped a desk on it, but that's not really what happened. I punched a wall, a wall again and hit a stud. That was a long time ago. Okay, I was 21 years old. I'm 35. I have <laughs> learned my lesson, okay? We need to put you through anger management. Well, yeah. I mean, look, Go- goose fraba, Travis. <laughs> that was like uh, a decade and a half ago. I, I, I've learned well beyond that but the point is there are two things that are the most important things number one is confidence you have to be confident that you're not going to re-injure yourself by doing your normal activities because if you start to shy away from things especially on defense you're going to be in trouble and that's issue number one really coming back from any injury but coming back from this injury specifically the other is strength because you don't use your hand for two, three, four weeks because it's in a cast. You're trying to re, you know, rebuild the strength of that hand. So you've got to do a lot of physical therapy. When an idiot college kid like me and you know, whenever that was breaks his hand and then you go to physical therapy, you go, what, twice a week? I think Evan Turner's been doing some physical therapy a little more often than like 45 minutes twice a week. If you can get the strength back and he has the confidence, that's not the problem. It's getting his legs under him and getting him back into game shape. Yeah, he's going to be fine. You know, the great thing about game shape, it's much easier for a guard or a player like Evan Turner to get back into game shape than it would be for Nurkic or a bigger body player. He's just going to have his win pretty quickly. The good thing is they're playing good basketball right now or better basketball than what we saw early in the year. So there's no rush to get him back into the starting lineup or to play him big minutes. They can bring him back step by step as we move forward. And it's just nice to have him back because now – You've got the stretch run with the majority of your games at home uh, so you can get him back into game shape, get him used to the lineup, whether it be in the first or the second unit. Yeah. And then as you make a run, if you make the playoffs, then he's going to be available. So the Blazers, at least at the right time of the year, are at full strength, and you want that as you head down the stretch. Uh, Before we get to Jerry Allen, Mike Shacker has provided us with the final call from Ron Callen. Now, what's interesting, you know this little – button bar i have here that has all of our audio on it and it's color coded blazers are red and all that stuff well mike shacker has done the taking the liberty to color code this one pink for me is that to, to make sure that i know it's the women's basketball call no i was just trying to go with a bright you color sexist bright bastard color. you now oh now you've changed it to light orange oh, i see how it orange. is 
Yeah, you, you just didn't want me to think you were a sexist in there, Mike. No gender roles. Come on now. Here's how it sounded from Ron Callen. Shot clock is now turned off. Kim out to Benton. It's coming down to a last shot for Long Beach State. Benton, eight seconds to go. Benton, six seconds to go. Puts up a 16-footer. No good. Rebound battle for Two seconds to go. One. Kim, a wild shot. No good. And the Oregon State Beavers survive Long Beach State by a score of 56 to 55 in advance to round two of the NCAA playoff. Surviving Long Beach State, isn't that what you say about the graduates of that school too? They like to have a good time down there. They do like to have a good time. Shacker's right. Callan was nervous. You could hear it in his voice. Yeah. He didn't know what to expect there at the end. Maybe he was... Uh, uh, I think he was a little worried that Long Beach State was going to hit some miraculous shot. I've done a lot of play-by-play over the years, but I've never, like, really been associated with, like, one specific team, not since college. And I can imagine if if you're calling games for a team that you obviously are invested in, you care about, and you have high expectations, and they could lose to a freaking 15 seed, yeah, you're going to be nervous. <sighs> they advance one point for the Beavs, the two Survive seed. That would have been devastating. And advance. All right, coming up next, we will talk to the voice of the Oregon Ducks. Jerry Allen is going to join us live from Sacramento as the Ducks get the win today over Iona College. Up next, they'll take on Rhode Island. You've got the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. Four twenty-one in the Rip City Drive on a Friday afternoon. Chad doing hanging out with me till six o'clock tonight. The Oregon Ducks win their first round game. They beat the Iona Gales ninety-three to seventy-seven. Jerry Allen was on the call in Sacramento, and he joins us now. Jerry, how are you? What's up, Jerry? Hey, I am doing great. How can you not be good when you're in bright sunshine at seventy-five degrees? And you just won the first round of your games. Bright sunshine. What? What is that? We definitely do not have that here right now. <laughs> I was throwing that at you. I know you ain't got sunshine right now. <laughs> yeah, well, enjoy that while you can. What are your first thoughts on seeing the Ducks? Obviously, the second game, but for the first time in the tournament without Chris Boucher. I was I was happy that, that they, you know, they had about a week since the Pac-12 tournament to try to settle down, settle in, get Caval Bigby-Williams some some uh, rotation in practice and Keith Smith. Uh, I, I, I was happy with them. I, I think they're going to be okay. I think uh, in that Pac-12 championship game, they're still in shock from losing Chris, but uh, this is a deep team and uh, they got a great coach. So, you know, if they'll display their brand of basketball, they're going to be fine. Hey, Jerry, what do you think is the key when you're trying to replace all the different things that Boucher brought to the table for the Ducks? Is it a matter of one guy or is it a group of guys? How do they replace his presence? Well, I think you got to use a, a group of guys. I, I think you know his shot blocking capability is one thing. Uh, you know, you just don't replace that. Although Kevin Bigby Williams can uh, can protect the rim too. He's got long arms. He's a tall guy. He's pretty athletic, so he's going to help in that respect. But he's not the kind of scorer that Chris Boucher was. So um, Pritchard stepping up today, knocking down some shots from the outside. I think if two or three different guys step up and, and you know try to carry that load that Chris did when he when he can knock down those long shots. Uh, Casey Benson tried some shots today. He hadn't been shooting the ball a lot. I think he's going to have to shoot more. So I think they're going to be okay. Uh, they've got enough pieces 
to uh, to replace what Chris did. The biggest thing they don't have that they lose is depth on the bench. You might get some foul trouble now. They don't have that extra guy. Hey, Jerry, I wanted your thoughts on Jordan Bell. Had another double-double today with 17 points and 10 rebounds. You know, the scoring is nice, but I really like what he brings in terms of his aggressiveness on the glass, but also, you know, has some shot-blocking capabilities himself. Yeah, you know, he handles the ball really well for a big guy. I, I think in all the years I've been here, I have seen more improvement in his game from one year to the next than anybody I, I've watched. He just he just worked so hard at it. He was a you know, 56, 58% free throw shooter last year, and he's around 70, 71% now. His field goal percentage is up around 60, 70% from the floor. Uh, he's just doing everything better. He can go to the left, go to the right, uh, and his rebound has improved too. So you know, he, he's one of those tough matchups uh, for big guys and for guys to play the four because he is so mobile. Jerry Allen is with us on the Rip City Drive, the voice of the Ducks. So we know what Iona is. I, I think I especially know since it's about 20 minutes from where I grew up and I went to some of their games for a long time. And I, I know they're not a great team. They're not the Ducks. They're not a Pac-12 team. But they're a good mid-major team. But they don't have a lot of size. They're a, a team that's very guard-heavy, that can shoot a lot. Is this game a test as far as the style of what we can see for the Ducks going forward with their opponents? Yeah, I think somewhat. I, you know, they're a scrappy team. Um, I, I know I, when you get to this this tournament, teams step up a level in play, and, and particularly when you're a, a low seed like that or a high seed, you, you get your adrenaline. I, it's just I, I saw Oregon do it for so many years when they were uh, not expected to play with a level of competition. They come in and play really well. Teams are going to do that now in this tournament. I thought I thought that Iona played really really well early. Oregon went on that 28-9 run late in the first half. Uh, that was the difference in the game. And even at that, Iona came back and made a game out of it. I think uh, I think Rhode Island's going to be a little different. I think they're a little more athletic, a little quicker. Uh, not a big team by any stretch, so that'll play into Oregon's favor. But this, uh, a step up, just a step up. Hey, Jerry, what was Dana Altman's message to his team after the injury, after the Pac-12 tournament to kind of, you know, calm everyone back down and get them reset and focused on the tournament? Well, something they've said all year long, is sometimes you, sometimes me, always us. I like that. And, and that was really kind of the theme that at, when Chris went down, it was uh, it's a family, and uh, when your brother gets hurt, your sister gets hurt, you step up and you help them out uh, mentally as much as anything, and that's what they did. Um, and, and uh, you know, the Dana is a very calming influence, and I think they, Chris Boucher went down with an injury earlier in the year, and it took him a while to come back from that injury. He wasn't himself. He didn't score a lot. He didn't block a lot of shots. Um, so they were able to play through his injury and until he got back to being himself. And they knew that they talked about that. So, um, I think probably the biggest issue for this team and what Dana helped them through was the mental aspect. Cause Chris, Chris was hurting. He still is, but you could tell it really affected him. It was his last chance to play for, for the ducks. He was going to go on to the next level. Now he's going to have to wait quite a while after probably surgery. So Dana was uh, probably doing as much of a mental job as a physical job trying to plug holes. Jerry, when you look at Peyton Pritchard, there have been some times this year that you know the, the numbers weren't there, but he made an impact. The numbers were there today, and we've seen him, him mature. He's been a lot better quicker than I thought he would be coming out of high school. I saw him a number of times at West Lynn, and I thought at times he, he was out of control, and it might take him a little while to transition. But what, what has impressed you about him? Well, what's impressed me the most is that he understands it's the next level, and so he's not trying to do too much. I think there are a lot of guys that come in 
who are highly touted, you know, the star in their basketball team for four years, and they try to continue to do that and make a lot of mistakes. I think his, his, his smarts, his intelligence, realizing I'm a freshman, these guys are better than me, I've got to come in under control and play that way. And, and he had some really good success early on. His shot kind of went away from him here lately. Um, but he's always handled the ball well. And, and so I think probably his, his intelligence of the game at this level, it, he's, he's going to be, I told him this when he got here, this first, probably the first month of the season, we sat down, I said this on the air to him, I, I think you've got a chance to be Oregon's next Luke Ridenour because I think he's got that kind of game. And uh, I think he had a little freshman wall probably. This is a long season. And I think that Pac-12 tournament he fought through a little bit, and hopefully uh, what we saw today is what we're going to see the rest of this tournament. It's the voice of the Ducks, Jerry Allen, with Travis and Chad here on the Rip City Drive. Travis and I were having this conversation earlier, and we were talking about some of the big-name guys over the years in the tournament who have kind of put their team on their backs and gotten them to uh, greater heights, and they've gotten, made deep tournament runs. Dylan Brooks is a special player. Do you think he's the type of guy – who can put this team on his back, playing big minutes and with big... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Production and getting them to go deep in the tournament, even without Boucher? Yeah, I think he can. I feel play smart. I, I, the biggest problem that Dylan Brooks has is his heart's too big, and, and he wants to win for this team so bad that sometimes he tries too hard. Uh, you see some games early in the season when he came back from that injury, and he got in right away, and he used to uh, kind of a little bit of a disaster trying to go to the rack every time and trying to out-hustle everybody. He had to come back in control. When he plays in control and uh, uses his teammates, he's as good as there is. He makes everybody around him better. Sometimes he gets into that try to do too much, try to take over a game, and it's not there. And, and when he does that, then, then he's not as good. So when he plays smart, when he plays Dylan Brooks kind of basketball, you know, he can't be stopped. I mean, He's one of those guys that's got all the tools. He's his own worst enemy sometimes, though, when he tries to do too much. Now, I want to get your thoughts on expectations, because last year being a one seed, finishing the season just as, as strong as they did and getting that one seed and, and running into Buddy Heald at Oklahoma in the Elite Eight, there was a different set of expectations than now being a three seed without Boucher and all of those things. And in some ways, nobody's giving the Ducks a chance because of those reasons. Do you notice a difference in the way they're carrying themselves? Is there an underdog role? Is there a difference there? No, oh, I think there definitely is. You know, last year they were the hunted. You know, this year they're not They're not the hunted. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that sort of said, oh, gosh, poor Oregon. They had a chance. Uh, they were going to go to the Final Four, but now they're not. You know, they lost Chris Boucher. 
And I, I think, you know, it's not a chip on the shoulder. It's not a disrespect thing. I just think it's like, oh, gosh, you don't, you don't think we can? Okay, well, we'll, we'll show you. So, it, yeah, it's a different attitude. Last year they kind of had that swagger. We're a number one seed, ran into a great player at the wrong time. Uh, but this year it's, it is different. It's more like in control. We're going to – we got something to prove. Hey, Jerry, I'm a big fan of Coach Altman, and now that you've had a chance to see him – for more than just one season, you know, with the success he's had at Oregon, what's the biggest thing you've learned about him from the time that he started up until now? Well, I, I've never seen a coach teach the way he does. Now, I've been around some great coaches and, and uh, seen some great coaches. Dana Altman is a teacher. My gosh, I, you know, I sit in their film sessions, I go to their practices, and I feel like I know enough about the opponent and the final moments of the game to go in and play. Now, I can only play about 10 seconds, and then I'll be out of win and probably foul out. But he teaches the game unbelievably well. Uh, and, and he's got a staff that recruits the kind of kids that are willing to be taught and listen. So uh, Dana's always control, very rarely gets upset, uh, and really screams or yells. He, he's, a, he's a guy that understands that if these guys going to learn, i got to teach him. And he's, he's phenomenal at that. He really is. I'm sure he won't say it publicly, and if he has, I haven't heard it yet today since we've been on the air, but has there been anything he's said about now not playing Creighton, obviously a place he was for a long time? That was a storyline that a lot of people were looking forward to. You know, he kind of he kind of stayed away from that. I talked to him about it, and he kind of chuckled when I said, well, it could be Creighton, and he just kind of laughed a little bit. and He said, gosh, I, you know, I love that school, that team, and their donors, and their coaches. I know them all. So I'd be, uh, you know, gosh, it would be kind of tough to play them, you know, but but they didn't say much about that. And then I haven't talked to them since the game's been over. They hustled on back out of here. So I, and part of me says he he wishes they would have won. He wanted them to win because he's a fan of Creighton. Sure. But part of me thinks that he didn't want to want to have to play him. I mean, it's tough to play a school where you were the head coach for 16 years. No question. You know, their coaches, their donors, and everything. It's like playing against yourself a little bit, huh. you know. And so I, I'm kind of glad they don't have to play Creighton. I got to believe that probably inside of him a little bit. He wanted him to win, but it's glad he didn't have to play him. Did you stick around and watch any of that Rhode Island game? Yeah, I did. Uh, I watched almost all of it. Um, I'm not shocked. I think Creighton, you know, they they lost their star player. Um, yeah. You know, half two thirds of the way through the season, it really affected them. They're not the same team, and uh, and and they they struggled early because they couldn't hit a shot, and then gave Rhode Island a little confidence. Rhode Island's a pretty plucky team. Uh, they're they're aggressive. They play on with their hands on you a lot. The way the game is officiated on Sunday, I think it's going to have something to do with the game. If, if the officials call it tight, they'll probably have some trouble. Uh, and if they don't, it'll be it's going to be a scrappy game. Jerry Allen is with us, the longtime voice of the Oregon Ducks. They'll take on Rhode Island on Sunday. Jerry, thank you so much for the time. Have a great call on Sunday and safe travels, and we'll talk soon. Love you, Jerry. Uh, Hey, let's do this again before the next round, okay? I'm ready for that. All right, let's do Sounds it this good. week then. All right. Okay, thanks, guys. Great stuff from Jerry Allen. Always love talking to Jerry. And the point he made there at, at the end about why you wouldn't want to face Creighton if you're Dana Altman, sure, you want to see a place that you hold very highly in your heart have success. But that that would be tough. It is. It's like facing your brother in a pro game, whether it be football, basketball, whatever or a family member, or going up against your son. I mean, those type of situations are not fun. And Dana Altman is one of those guys where he cares. I mean, you heard Jerry. He's a teacher, but he loves a lot of those people at Creighton. He, it was hard for him to leave. He really enjoyed his time there, had a lot of success. And so I think I agree with Jerry. I, I think 
Coach Altman's very happy to face Rhode Island and not Creighton in round number two. Yeah, and he's had, you know, situations before with Kansas State uh, playing, you know, Oklahoma last year with Lon Kruger and the the relationship that those guys have had. And, look, coaching is a very small community. It's a very small community. I mean, how do you think Louisville feels when they play Minnesota, which is rare, but you have Rick Pitino and Richard Pitino most most of the time, you're going to know the guy on the other side. You might not like the guy. I'm sure there are plenty of times where you don't like the guy on the other side, but a lot of coaches know each other. It's a very incestuous business. There's a lot of, of that, you know, I've coached with that guy, played for that guy. He coached for me any time that you see a game. Unless there's just absolute bitterness and hatred between a couple of programs, very rarely do you hear a coach badmouth another. They usually... They stick up for one another. They respect one another. And, it's, you know, it's it's because they understand what they're going through. The business, it's tough. It's a grinder. Right. It, but it is kind of the most fun when you can tell that they don't like the guy on the other side. Well, I enjoy that. I mean, like with, for instance, Terry Stotts and Doc Rivers. They don't like oh, each yeah. other, and I enjoy yeah. that. Is there a college coach that you just, man, I can't, I can't stand that dude? Oh, yeah, there's several. Who? Tell me. I want to know. The people want to know. Rick Pitino for basketball. He's creepy. I love Pitino. He's creepy. Yeah. And that whole thing with the restaurant and the skanks and all that stuff, <laughs> it's disgusting. So yeah. he's disgusting. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of guys. In terms of college coaches, uh, I mean, there's a long list. I mean, you know how it is. It's like I've got a long list of dudes that I'm just not particularly down with, and I have guys who I respect, like Coach Shaw at Stanford. A lot of respect for him, like the way he goes about his business. If I had to pick a particular college coach, I respect Saban, but I don't like him, but I really respect yeah. him. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney just That's annoys me. That's a guy I want to play for. He's a great guy. He yeah. just annoys me. Really? Because he's so nice. It's like, it's like, dang you, Dabo. You're a good coach and you're nice and guys love you. Right. Uh, if you had to choose who you had to like between Patino and Calipari, which way are you going? Calipari. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had to trust one of the two. Which one is Neither. It? Thank you. Neither guy. That's the answer I was looking for. Neither guy. Thank you very much, Chad. Now, but, if I needed to get hooked up with a hot date, I go to Patino. If I want to play in the NBA, I go to Calipari. That, that well said on, on both points there. Uh, did You You mentioned uh, our, our good friend Dabo. I love Dabo. Did you happen to see the graveyard that they've put together at Clemson? I think I did cross over that. This yes. is pretty awesome. They put up a couple of new tombstones the other day. They actually have tombstones for an actual gravesite of the teams that they beat on their way to the national championship. So there is a tombstone that reads Ohio State with the score on it and a tombstone that reads Alabama with the score on it. It's awesome. Yeah, and the reason why I don't like Dabo is it it runs deeper than that. I just don't like Clemson. They think they're SEC, but they're not. And I'm still mad at Coach Ford when he beat the Oklahoma Sooners in the Citrus Bowl years ago which was Jamel Holloway's last game, one of my favorite players of all time. So sure. I still hate Clemson for that moment, and I transfer that <laughs> hatred to Dabo. But I know Coach Sweeney's a great guy, and people I know that know him or know him very well, they all praise him for being legit. Super that, cool dude, and he, and he sticks up for his guys. That's why I'll always hate Ohio State basketball, because my best memory of, of St. John's uh, was 1999. They make it to the Elite Eight, and they've got a shot to win it, and they should have beaten Ohio State. I mentioned this the other day, and Scooney Penn and Michael Red embarrassed St. John's, big comeback at the end, and they don't go to the Final Four, and that's the last time they were any good. One of my favorite college basketball players all time, no joke, Marcus Hatton, who was the point guard there at St. John's for years. Of course. He was a stud. 
He was a stud. That was a, he was fun to watch. I like his handle. You know, they're just college basketball players who, even if they don't go to the next level, you just love the way they play in the college game. Marcus Hatton had a sweet handle. Yeah, I was at the the NBA draft the year that uh, LeBron got drafted, and the Knicks were up to pick, and the entire Madison Square Garden uh, were, were chanting Marcus Hatton because they wanted them to uh, to draft him. That that obviously didn't happen. He didn't really play in the NBA. Uh, you want to give away some Blazers tickets? Let's do it. All right. I For which two- game? Well, I will tell you in a minute. <laughs> Pipe down over there. Come on. Now, there are two ways for this to happen. Number one, now this is open to anybody. If you head over to the Rip City Radio booth at the Shamrock Run Fitness Fair, which is going on today and tomorrow, it's at the Oregon Convention Center, you'll have a chance to win a ticket to win tickets to an upcoming Blazers game. But you have to tell them that Travis and Chad sent you because if they don't, if you don't, they're not going to tell you that you can win Blazers tickets. The only way to win the tickets is if you go to the Rip City Radio booth at the Shamrock Run Fitness Fair today and tomorrow at the Oregon Convention Center and tell them Travis and Chad sent you and you'll have an opportunity to win. So the tickets will be on a first-come, first-served basis. I like that. Drop our names, you'll win Blazers tickets. Here's the other way. Degenerate Dime of the Day contestant for next week. You have to participate. If you don't participate, we will take the tickets back from you. 503-248-0620. Be caller number five right now. Give Shacker your information. He'll tell you about the dime, and then I'll email you over the weekend with how to play. And you'll win tickets to Tuesday's game against Milwaukee. 503-248-0620, caller number five. That sound good, Chad? Sounds good to me. And I like that they have to drop our names. We're making them earn it just a bit. Yeah. They could drop Dan and Nigel's names, too, but no, no, no. Drop our names. No. That'll get you tickets to the CBI tournament, Dan and Nigel. If you're lucky. And they'll send you to, like, uh, you know... Antarctica to go to that uh, game. Terrible. All right. It's more to come. You got the Rip City Drive and Rip City Radio. Fourteen in front of the hour on a Friday afternoon. We're halfway through the NCAA tournament action today. Eight games in the books. The Kansas game just started a few minutes ago. And we're on to the evening sessions. Chad, we were talking here during the break about uh, a post on Twitter. I think, it was it from CBS Sports? I think it was from CBS Sports. I don't remember the original source. I know that Travis Rogers, a friend of mine who does radio down in L.A., yeah. I responded to his retweet, and so that's how I found out about it. Right, and I've seen people retweet it. That's how I found out about it, too. And the tweet said, name your favorite obscure college basketball player and why? And even if you're not a big college basketball fan, there are names that stick out in your head because you remember that one year in that tournament. You remember this guy here, or you remember a player on your favorite team that probably most people have no idea who you're talking about. But the people that do, like, oh my god, I remember that guy. That guy was awesome. Who did you send out? Who was? I mean, because you you love college basketball, yeah. so I'm curious as to who you chose because you have a. A long list. Yeah, the, I, immediately like 10 names popped into my head, and they're all, m- most of them, not all of them, they're, they're mostly like mid-90s guys because that's when I was like a, a, obsessed with college basketball. But the, the first name that popped into my head was Carmelo Travieso from UMass. Did he play with Marcus Camby? Yeah, he was on that Marcus Camby team that went to the Final Four, and I know it's a stupid reason, but when I was like 13 or 14 years old, 
you know, popular sports players. People know who they are. My friends would call me Carmelo Travieso or just Travieso because my name is Travis and it would make sense. So I, I love that guy. But there there were a bunch of them. Uh, you know, Bubakar Al, maybe one of the greatest names of all time from Georgetown. Do you remember him at all? I don't. That's a name I don't know. Yeah. Bubakar Al. I think he's like a high school girls basketball coach now. Rusty LaRue? Do you remember Rusty LaRue? Now, who was Rusty LaRue? It sounds familiar. He was at Wake Forest. He was on that team with Sean Respert. Oh, Sean Respert. Yeah. He was a baller. Yeah. That's good. That's a good pull. I chose, and I tried to keep it local because I figured if I did, it would be a name that a lot of people wouldn't know. Poo Jetter from the University of Portland. Oh, yeah. That backcourt with Jetter, Poo Jetter, and Donald Wilson was a lot of fun to watch. They were good. They were really good, and I remember going over to the Child Center a few years back, and I saw that backcourt tear up Oregon when the pilots blew out the Ducks there at the Child. Oh, yeah, that was, I remember so that. Poo Jetter was, was the one I listed, but there were several other guys that came to my mind back from my days, and I'm a little bit older than you, but Milt Newton, who was the other key player on that Kansas team with Danny Manning that won the championship. It was Danny Manning as the one-man show, but Newton was kind of that – he was kind of like Robin. He helped out and scored, so I thought he was good. Mookie Blaylock and Ricky Grace from that Oklahoma team that went to the Final Four with Stacy King, Sky King in the middle. Byron Irvin, who was a great player at Missouri. I think the Blazers drafted him back in the late 80s. So many guys. Uh, Blazer Steve tweets in. He says, uh, Ken Mouse McFadden from Cleveland State. Remember when they made that <laughs> big run? That's a hell of a pull right there. That is. And then, right, how about uh, Pops Mensa Bonsu? That's a good one from uh, from George Washington. Or wait, look, maybe this isn't as obscure because everybody remembers his name. But God Sham God from Providence. Ed Pinkney was on that Villanova team with yep. Massimino that won the championship. He went on to play with the Celtics. A decent NBA player, but I just always liked that name, Ed Pinkney. I've always liked the name Ruben Boomche Boomche. Love, I love Ruben Boomche Boomche. If somebody has a Ruben Boomche Boomche Blazers jersey, I want it. When they wrong the franchise, I get frustrated. I can't do that. I know, I know. It's just the name Boomche Boomche. You can't get much better than that. There was a, a, a guy in St. John's three or four years ago whose name was God's Gift. That was his first name, God's Gift Achua. What? That's his name, yeah. His family moved here from Africa. And they named their kids like God's Gift, God's Grace, and then something else. And they had, there was like another kid named Kevin. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Or something like that. Why would you name your kid God's gift? I mean, I get it, but you're setting them up for failure with other people. Well, yeah, pretty much. But, you know, hey, some people are going to do that. 
Rafe LaFrance was a great college name. I just liked it. I liked the way it sounded. We had uh, Mark Mason say it for us when he was in the studio oh, with yeah. us. It just sounded nice the way it rolled off his tongue. And he was not a good pro player, but very good at Kansas. Give me a college player growing up that for whatever reason or another, you hated that guy. College player? College player. Cherokee and, Parks. Oh, okay. You're going Duke. See, you could probably pick any player from Duke or Carolina. Now, I loved Leitner. I thought Leitner was awesome, but yeah. Cherokee Parks, first of all, your name's Cherokee. Get out of here with that garbage. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was never a fan of him. The first one that popped into my mind, and that's why I asked you the question, was Eric Montross. I could not stand Eric Montross. I hated that dude. Wasn't a big fan of Montross, and he was a bum in the NBA, too. Yeah, he was. Adonis yeah. Jordan was a cool name. He played at Kansas, and I'm That's trying to think name. of the Adonis Jordan. It just sounds cool. And I'm trying to think of his backcourt mate was Ray, uh, uh, Walters. Rex Walters and Adonis Jordan played together. Yeah, Rex Walters, Kansas. he was the coach at uh, USF the last few years. I like that name. Yeah. What's the one guy that I can't think of from uh, Seton? Shaheen Holloway. Shaheen Do you remember Holloway. Shaheen Holloway? Yes. Ramil Robinson. Oh, from Michigan. Great college player, but like a lot of guys who have great college careers, they don't go on to do much yeah. in the NBA, and I'm okay with that. That like Christian Leitner is one of the best players I've ever seen, and he had a decent pro career, but wasn't great. But he was a phenomenal college player. And there are some guys whose names were great, even though I hate them, like Scooney Penn. I keep saying that because he he's on the top of my yeah. mind for beating St. John's. But do you remember how good Eduardo Nahara was for Oklahoma? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was money. Love Nahara. And I love the Griffin brothers at Oklahoma. Blake Griffin, keep this in mind. It's so weird for me because I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm a Sooner fan. Yeah. Love Billy Tubbs and the uh, run and gun teams back in the day. Blake Griffin at Oklahoma and Norman loved him. Once he became a Clipper, <laughs> I, I don't like the guy at all because he's a Clipper. When I see him now, I don't think yeah. Oklahoma. I think Clipper, Doc Rivers. Okay, I don't yeah. like you. Yeah, you just you you lose the association <laughs> with, with your favorite team. Nahara was... Was sweet. He was he was a stud in college. Another Oklahoma player I like was John Anches, who was a point guard, just yeah. like that name Anches. He played with Ryan Miner, who was a a great two sports uh, two sports star, ba- baseball and basketball at Oklahoma too. There's another I, there's another guy that uh, it doesn't seem like it's obscure to me, but it probably will to everybody else. Is Levar Postel from from St. John's? That was my guy. That's a good name. <coughs> so many good players in that part of the world. We're in that part of the nation over there in New York. St. John's is right there around all of this. I mean, think about all the great players that come from New York or come out to playgrounds sure. in New York, and St. John's is right there. Yeah, and, and now they suck. <laughs> That's okay. You know their coaches now, right? St. John's? Yeah. No. Who? It's Chris Mullen. Oh, it's Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen. He took over for Steve Lavin. They've had some great coaches there. They go, obviously, Luke like Carnesecca, but they go to Mike, uh, Mike Jarvis. And then they had Steve Lavin, and now it's Chris Mullen, and they still suck. That's that's terrific. <laughs> Was it Bobby Houston from Oklahoma State? Just sounded good. Yeah. Bryant Reeves, big country. Oh, big country, yeah. Robert Tractor Trailer. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. He was a big boy. Yeah. Michigan, right? Yes, sir. Uh, we got to get to the dime. Let's do that right now. The degenerate dime of the day. Bad beats, close calls. 50 bucks more says easy. You're all The thrill of the chase doesn't make you a degenerate. It just means you like the action. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. Travis Demers gives you his daily pick of the day right now in Demers' Degenerate Dime of the Day. 
All right, Ron Lucky is this week's contestant. He finally won yesterday as he took the uh, the Ducks for today. Actually, he won for today. He's already picked his game, picked it yesterday, and won. Last night, my pick was Florida Gulf Coast, so I got the victory there. And tonight, I'm having a really, really, really tough time with tonight's games. I'm going to stay. Uh, I'm going to stick with college. I think UCLA ends up blowing out Kent State. They're a 19 and a half favorite. I think they win that game probably by 30. I like Michigan State plus the one and a half against. Miami. That is that is not bad at all. Uh, the winner of the Blazers tickets and the winner for next week, James. James, you better play along. Okay, that's that's part of the deal here. You got to play along. I will email you the details. If over he does, the he gets tickets. If not, he doesn't. Yeah, that's but a we'll, pretty simple formula. We'll see on Monday. Come on, James. We'll see on Monday. You better tweet me that pick on Monday. But I will. Uh, uh, I'll email you over the weekend with all the details. Morris all right. is coming up on Monday. Monday. Oh yeah. We got a big announcement. Three o'clock Monday, we will have a very big announcement. I was going to tease that, but you can never tease it too much, Chad. Monday, three o'clock, big announcement. Don't miss it. Be here or be somewhere else. But be here. Be here or be nowhere. Yes, exactly. We got more to come. We'll get back to the Blazers. Back to Evan Turner making his return to the lineup. You've got the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. This is the Rip City Drive, your afternoon commute distraction. You've spent all day slaving away. How much time would you say you spend each week dealing with these TPS reports? And now, your freedom is at hand. Let's get you geared up for the night. Racing to the LeafGuard Gutter Studios. Here is your host, Travis Demers. The Rip City Drive, sports and life in the fast lane. Third and final hour on a Friday. Final hour of the week. Still a lot of tournament stuff to get to. We've got our Degenerate Dime contestant for next week. James wins some Blazers tickets. We've got a big announcement Monday at 3 o'clock. We've got a lot of Blazers to get to. And a busy, busy, busy Blazers weekend, Chad. Now, normally the weekend is when we get to relax. But you do not get to relax this weekend. Because we've got Blazers games on Saturday at Atlanta and Sunday at Miami. That was such a big win in San Antonio, and I know that all the Blazer fans know that, but it was big in so many different ways. I really thought the the loss at New Orleans was the worst of the year, the most uninspiring performance. They looked tired. They were two to three steps slow, and they just didn't play well. They couldn't make shots. They couldn't get stops. They were annihilated by 23 points to a bad team. So I didn't have a lot of hope going into the next night against San Antonio, the Spurs, who were challenging the Warriors for the best record in the NBA, and they want that top spot in the West and get the number one seed. And yet the Blazers, they do the unthinkable. They come out, and not only did they get the win, but they played their best game of the year, Travis, their best game. And in my mind, the most complete game for 48 minutes on both ends. On offense, we saw a number of different guys get involved. They were moving bodies, moving the basketball, and you had whether it was Dame or CJ or Nurkic, so many different guys get involved, which always makes them more difficult to defend. But defensively, the way they continue to contest shots, fighting through picks, you know, really playing with a lot of energy to be able to go in there into that place and get that win against the Spurs who needed that game, that said a lot to me about the Blazers. And I'll say this, and I've said it so many times this year, but it's important for everyone to understand the best trait, and this is saying a lot for a young team, and they're the youngest in the NBA, their best trait is their resiliency. I don't know how they do it, you know, being as young as they are, but
but the ability to bounce back after such a horrible performance or a gut punch to go out there and get the win, that impressed me. And now, when you're looking out into the future, they've got two more games to go on this five-game road trip. It's the last extended road trip of the season. You got two wins already. You get one win either tomorrow against Atlanta or Sunday against Miami. Yes, if you get two, that's great. But if you get one, you come back three and two. That's what I wanted before the trip started. They come back three and two, and then you've got the majority of your games at home down the stretch. They're putting themselves in position to chase down Denver and get that eighth spot, but they're playing their best basketball at the right time. Not great basketball, but their best of the season so far at the right time of the year. And I love it because Dame is playing MVP-type ball again, but also a number of different guys on the roster starting to step up and make contributions. Well, let me ask you this because it's it, it, there's a there's a balance, right? We never want to be too overreactionary. After uh, on on Tuesday night after the Pelicans game, Twitter was a buzz with ah, here we go, Blazers suck. Let's tank and get the number five pick, which you you weren't going to get the number five pick anyway, even if you you missed the playoffs. And then on Wednesday night, it's all right, playoffs here we come, and it's just such high peaks and such low valleys. And there was a good stretch for the first few months of the season where it was just it, it was tough to follow and tough to pay attention to. And the, the thoughts were just so up and down. But with that being said, have we seen enough in the last 10 games, 11 games since the use of Nurkic trade, since the All-Star break to say that it's it's safe and it's OK to be re-energized? And have a little bit higher expectations than we did in mid-February. Yeah, and I think the number one reason is Nurkic. And it's more than just his play, but let's take a look at everything that he's brought to the table. First off, he's incredibly skilled. In that game against San Antonio, he saved his best for last. Also some of his worst for last, but he finished with 16 points, 9 boards, 4 steals, and 3 assists. The guy has such skill level that he, he peppers the stat sheet. Would you take 16, 9, 4 steals, and 3 assists from your center position on most nights? No, of course not, yeah. Well, of course. Absolutely. Well, that's exciting, but here's the best part. Even with the turnovers and the, the, missed, the two missed free throws near the end, he didn't play his best game, and yet he made a dramatic impact. He's only 22 years old, and so with time, he's only going to get better. That, that part's really exciting, but it's more than just that. His arrival has now energized the rest of the roster. We're seeing... Better play from not just Damon CJ. Mo Harkless is playing his best ball right now. Al Camino is playing his best ball right now. Noah Vonley made all of his shots and didn't turn it over once. And he's played with a new aggressiveness and energy over the last few games, which is impressive. And when you see that, even Myers Leonard playing better now, Nurkic has arrived and has energized the entire team. So if you want hope, you find it in Nurkic and the way that everyone has kind of rallied around him and what he's brought to the table. And the reality is, is that they are in the playoff race. They're right there. The majority of games are at home the rest of the way, and they have the easiest remaining schedule. So they're going to be in a position to chase down Denver for that eighth and final playoff spot. So I think the hope is there. And had they lost to San Antonio or gone in and gotten blown out by the Spurs, I think that would have really ruined the mood. Yeah. But the bounce back after such a bad performance against the Pelicans and to get that one in San Antonio, that tells me, one, that they're engaged. They do care. They do want the eight spot, and they are playing better. I think they're 7-5 and five now with Nurkic on the team. That's better basketball than what they had played before. So that's where I get my hope from. Right, and the, the word hope is interesting because your hope, you can have hope that things are going to be better. You can have hope that you're going to make the playoffs. But when you talk about the hope for this team, what is the hope? Is the hope that we're going to play well, 
We're going to see this team make the playoffs, have a good final 15 games of the season, and whatever happens in the playoffs happens, whether it's a four-game sweep, five games, six games, whatever it is. But we're going to see them build momentum. Is that your hope? Because my hope is just that the momentum is built. The on-court relationships aren't just salvaged, but they're forged, and you figure out a direction and make the offseason less of a challenge because you know what you have. To me, that's what the hope is. And if they make the playoffs, which that is part of my hope too, they're going to lose. That, that's inevitable. But just how they get to that point. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I, I see the rest of this year at a potential playoff berth as kind of the gravy. I mean, at this point, if they get Love that gravy. and they get more experience, gravy's nice. Yeah. It, it's tasty. If they get the playoff experience and Nurkic gets more preparation time, more practice time, more game time with Dame and CJ and the rest of the guys, that's great. But I think the hope comes from this. Think about this. This this still blows my mind. I can't get over it. Three weeks ago, four weeks ago before Nurkic arrived, there was no hope whatsoever. The team was horrible. They weren't entertaining. The playoffs weren't even a part of the discussion. And looking into the future and at the summer and into next season, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. There was no pathway for this team to get better. And then you fast-forwarded a few weeks, and now that they have the most important position on the team settled with Nurkic, now the offseason doesn't become such an impossible task for Neil Olshay and company to be able to find players to piece together a lineup that can contend or compete in the Western Conference. That's where the hope comes from, is that there's hope moving into next year now with Nurkic on the roster. And the rest of this, with the win in San Antonio, a potential push for the eighth and final playoff spot, it's all gravy. But together, all of that together with this playoff push and the excitement we have right now, but the hope moving into the future, it just makes it a lot more fun. We have something to get excited about, and I look forward to every game now. I can't wait till tomorrow to see how they respond, to see how Nurkic plays, to see how they play together, and to see what they can do in a tough place to play in Atlanta. Right, and there, look, there's still a portion of fans, and if you, if you read message boards, which I know you check them out sometimes, I do too, and it's a downfall because I'm just curious – as to what the average fan thinks. There's still a a chunk of the average fan who thinks that missing the playoffs is a good thing because you're going to get a top-five pick. And I talked about this yesterday. You're not getting a top-five pick. If you miss the playoffs, you're going to just barely miss the playoffs. You're going to get 12. You're going to get 13. You're going to get 14. And if you make the playoffs, you're going to just barely make the playoffs. So you'll get 14 or 15. So is missing the playoffs and having the 12th pick better than making the playoffs and having the 15th pick? And I don't think it is. You're talking about a small chance of what? Getting really lucky with the lottery? Yeah. And jumping up into the top three? That would be great. See, about is, the same chance as having a perfect bracket. But this is really what's beautiful now. And, and, and you've laid this out for me with the draft that, you know what? If they make the playoffs, they're going to have the worst record of all the playoff teams so their draft position is not going to be that impacted. Right. So really, they're in a position right now where if they make the playoffs, that's great. They get that extra experience for a young team with Nurkic. Or if they miss the playoffs, they'll have a bit of a better draft position. So they're really in a no-lose scenario right now, whether they make the playoffs or they don't. Right. And they are actually below, as far as record is concerned, the last team to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. So if they make the playoffs... They would have, and they and they lose in the first round. They would have that first pick of playoff teams. So what is that? Fifteen. Fifteen. That's not horrible. No. You, and the reason why you laid this out, you convinced me about the excitement for this playoff push with Nurkic because of 
their draft position. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. They, they don't stand to gain much or lose much by making the playoffs in terms of draft position. And you've said it. This draft doesn't have that one player. So even if you got lucky with a ping pong ball and you shot up into the top three, there's probably not that one player who's going to come in and transform your team. Right. They're, they're a game and a half below the Bulls in the standings right now. And you would think with the injury to Dwayne Wade that Chicago's going to get worse. Now, if this was a LeBron draft, would you change the way you, you look at the rest of the season? Well, it, it depends. Do you have a chance of getting that number one pick? Well, if you lost a bunch of games and had a chance to collect more ping pong balls, then that's where you would be. It, it would be tough because the odds of getting that number one pick are still. Now, if you think about who else was in that draft, think about who else was in that draft. Carmelo Anthony was in that draft. Dwayne Wade was in that draft. Uh, Chris Bosh was in that draft. You get a top five pick unless you're the Detroit Pistons and, and take Darko. You are set. You've got a, a, a franchise type player there. That's a different story. But wasn't there, haven't there been teams in the past who have got, wasn't it Orlando where they got Shaq and then they got Penny super the lucky next with way. Penny? Yeah. Well, Penny, they, they, it was, uh, well, yeah, they, they, they had the number one pick and they drafted Weber and then traded it to, or, uh, to the Warriors for Penny. So, yeah, they had the number one pick two years in a row. They got, they, that was super lucky. It was super, super, super lucky. That kind of thing doesn't doesn't happen very often. So if you think about it, if, if the Bulls struggle like they're supposed to and they fall below the Blazers and the standings stay the way that they are, the Blazers would have the 13th pick in the draft, okay? The 13th pick. If they make the playoffs and lose in the first round, 15. they'd have the 15th pick. So really, what's the point of tanking? Because you're not really going to drop that much farther. And I've talked to, you know, there are people who are split on this, but I've talked to some other guys who really believe that that playoff experience is really good for a young team, especially with a team that now has a new center in Nurkic who has no playoff experience. So I I think that's good. But I think, you know what, beyond that, if you want to go just beyond the roster, a playoff push at this point with Nurkic, I think that would mean a lot for the city. I think it means a lot for Paul Allen. And for Blazer fans to be able to see their guys get a chance to go into the playoffs, even though they know going up against the Spurs or Warriors, it's, a, uh, it's an impossible task, but exciting because you get, you get a chance to see the big man with Nurkic fever. I think that's something I'm about now. I, Nurkic has changed my outlook on the rest of the season, so I want them to make the playoffs because I want to see Nurkic out there getting a chance to mix it up with some of the best and see what he can do. Uh, I'm looking at the mock draft from Draft Express, and this is right now, you know, pre-tournament, pre-combine, all that stuff. Who do they have the Blazers taking? Uh, well, they have the, play, the Blazers taking a point guard that I've never heard of. Well, I've heard of him. Frank, something that I can't pronounce his name. He's international. Never seen him play. Don't, really think, no, uh, don't know anything about him. At 11. But at 15, 
is Wake Forest sophomore power forward John Collins. And if you're at 15 and John Collins is available, you've got a player that can make an impact next year. Not like a major impact. I'm talking about a guy who can give you maybe 10 and 4 in 17 minutes at the power forward position who can develop into a very key player. And at 15, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, and you brought up a good point because a lot of people ask me, what do you want the Blazers to do now? Whether it's power forward or small forward, yeah. they need wing players or a power forward. They need somebody that can come in and be active, help out defensively with Damon CJ. I would prefer a power forward I would prefer they use their assets to be able to trade and bring in a veteran power forward who can start so that that way you don't have to start uh, Al Farouk Aminu, although he can if you go out and get a small forward, but they need a starting forward. So whether that comes from the draft or via trade, they've got to find a way to beef up their front court and have a better starting lineup. So I hope it's a power forward, but a small forward would work as well. Yeah, those are definitely the positions I see of need. We've got to get to the further review coming up next. We will get back to the Oregon victory over the Iona Gales earlier today. Up next is Rhode Island. We'll get back to the Evan Turner discussion. He's back, boys and girls. He's expected to play tomorrow night in Atlanta. You've got the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. Sometimes we need a second look to get it right. The previous play is on the the review. And sometimes we still get it wrong. After further review, the ruling on the field It's time to get under the hood and take a closer view of the biggest stories of the day. All the, all the players are doing now is they're just falling down to get a call. And it's, it's, it's a disgrace to the game of basketball. It's time for The Further Review, presented by Canby Ford on Rip City Radio. Put flags on everybody. That's it. No more tackling. It is time for the further review on a Friday afternoon. Lots of things to review today. Let's head out to the phones first. 503-248-0620 is the phone number. Let's open things up with Brandon in Vancouver. Brandon, what's up? You're on the Rip City Drive. Yeah, I just had a question. You guys were talking about the power forward situation with Portland. Yeah. How come, I don't know what the situation is with Chris Bosch, but why doesn't Portland try going after him if Miami's not going to use him? We got plenty of assets to try and acquire him. Chad, I'm going to let you handle this since you've been on the Bosch bandwagon for a while. Brandon, thanks for the phone call. I think that's a possibility. I do think Chris Bosch is a possibility, and I think it's something that Portland should consider, and here's why. Miami has got to find a way to get out from underneath that contract. They want to do that badly, and I think the Blazers would be the perfect team to swoop in and give him a chance to play. But they would have to do their homework and double-check and make sure that he's got a clean bill of health because the last thing you want is to bring a guy in and then he goes down on the floor, and worst-case scenario, he dies on a basketball floor. You don't want that, so you got to make sure he's good to right. go with and the blood clots. And you're not being funny about that. You mean I'm that being literally. Dead serious. you got to make sure you're safe there. But he's still got a lot of miles on his body. He's had time off, and he's the type of superstar power that would be great next to Nurkic, but also with his experience and his defensive capabilities, he would be a great compliment to Damon C.J. So... I don't know if it will happen. It's probably a small chance, but it's a situation that's worth investigating because he's such a talented player and he's still got a lot of game left if he's healthy. He's been in the league for 15 years, 14 years, whatever. He's 32 years old. He's going to be 33 in a few weeks. 
you're right. He's got a lot of miles left on him. You don't need 2008's Chris Bosh. No. 2017's Chris Bosh is going to be good enough to give you what you need because he's got experience. He's yeah. won titles. He knows how to be a leader. He's played around leaders. And he also, not only has he been a superstar, but he's been a superstar where he wasn't the top dog and he wasn't even the number two dog. So he doesn't need the attention. He doesn't need the ball. He just wants to play. And I think that scenario and all those things together, it'd be a really good fit. Yes. And I'm a big fan of Bosch. He can do it so many different ways. He was the number one option in Toronto and was a star. Went to Miami and deferred to LeBron. He's one of the best guys in the league I've ever covered. I like his demeanor. I like his attitude. If he's healthy and I just look at it this way, I think the Blazers will investigate Chris Bosch to see if that's something that can get done. All right, we'll get back to the Blazers here in a minute, but as we continue on with the further review, Richard delivers it into the belly of Dylan Brooks. Four to shoot. He drives and he stuffs it home with a two-hand hammer for a capital letter on Oregon's 93-75 lead. Oh, it was a capital letter for the Ducks. They beat the Gales of Iona College of Westchester County, New York, and they move on to face Rhode Island. So I think Duck fans now, a little bit of a kind of a sigh of relief. They had a chance to see the Ducks go out there and get that first win. I like the balance. I like the offense. And I was afraid with the funk coming out of the Pac-12 tournament and the injury to Boucher that they might struggle a bit today. That wasn't the case. They came out and they played like the team that they are and they dominated the game. I think that's a good sign for Oregon as they get ready for round number two. Yeah, look, for, for the Ducks, you, I, don't, I don't know how big the test was. I don't know if it was that much of a test. We talked to Jerry Allen about it earlier. You're playing a team from the MAC with two A's. Not too many teams have come out of that conference to win tournament games. And, and Iona has been the class of that league now for a few years. But they're a guard-heavy team without a lot of size, but they're scrappy, but they're not going to give you the type of challenge that even a Rhode Island will or that a Louisville will or a Kansas will. We don't know what it's going to look like without Chris Boucher. We saw it against Arizona, and they competed with them. They're still a very good team. You just need somebody to step up and say, screw all of you, this is my team, I'm going to beat you, and then do it. The good thing is they've got a lot of talent. And the guy I'm looking at to really continue to step up, Jordan Bell, Trav, 17 points, 10 rebounds today. Good defender. He's been aggressive on the glass. And with his shot blocking and all the different things he can do, he's tough. I think Jordan Bell, if he can continue to excel and you get the points from him too, that's a major bonus. So Jordan Bell stepping up again today, and hopefully he can continue to do that. Can they still reach the Final Four? Yes, Absolutely. They've got enough talent. They've got the coaching and they've got the star power. This team, it's not out of the question. It's just, it's a lot more difficult without Boucher, but this is a team, if they get hot, they can still make a deep run. I think they can too. It's just a matter of what happens against Louisville. And look, Louisville has looked bad against good teams. Louisville is a good team, very good coach, but there have been times where they have looked bad this year, whether it's against North Carolina, against Wake Forest, there have been a couple of those games where they were exposed for not being a great team. So there's a difference between that level that I think Oregon and Louisville are on and the next level up that I think Kansas and Villanova, uh, even Arizona, Gonzaga are on. With Chris Boucher, I think they're in that level. But we've seen teams that are not on the same level as another team in this tournament win all the time. You've got to get hot. You've got to have good guard play, good defense. And why can't they? Like Jerry Allen told us, Coach Altman is a great teacher. If those guys really get down in their stance and get after it defensively, they can cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. So 
their defense and their energy and the way they attack defensively at times, if they do that to the best of their capabilities, they're going to create easy opportunities for themselves on the offensive end. Today has been a much more interesting day in the tournament than yesterday was. This is one of the reasons why. Gentry goes to Hannah's, the best free throw shooter for Arkansas. Harassed by Jones, he Ooh, finds Megan. Got away with a travel, feeds ahead to Barford. He gets shot from behind hard by Rodriguez. That was two hands to the back that knocked him down to the deck. And they call a straight foul with 18.3 to go. Here are the last of the one-and-one -one free throws. And they call a flagrant foul. Look at that. Oh, my God. And I think it's the right call. John Thompson in the background. Love, JT. Look. I don't know if that was a flagrant foul or not, but it was a one-point game. Arkansas had the lead, and a flagrant foul was called on Seton Hall. That was the game right there. That was a horse bleep call. I watched the replay a few times, and he gave him a bit of a shove, but he didn't trip him intentionally. The guy went down. You can't make that call in that situation of a tight game. I just thought it would have been good, just a common foul and move forward with the game. But, yeah. To go intentional there is brutal. I think you'd probably have the same outcome if that doesn't happen. Yeah. But at least you've got no controversy, and nobody wants controversy. Again, we talked about this with Dan Dickow earlier about the foul yesterday in the Vanderbilt-Northwestern game. At least it was a first-round game for a team that probably isn't going to win a national championship. So it doesn't cost you that, but it costs you a lot. Well, especially when you know guys are running around. That's an obvious foul situation. And so for them to drop that, to give them shots and possession. I just thought that was over the top. I thought so, too. So Arkansas now will move on. They will play North Carolina. As North Carolina just got a huge win today, as they should have. A couple of other things of note from the tournament today. How about USC? USC getting a win over SMU. USC. And the Mustangs were a team that a lot of people had going pretty far. Some to the Elite Eight, some to the Sweet 16. But that messed a lot of brackets up because I would assume most people is not are, are not going to have a first four team move on past the first weekend. I hate that. Every year there's this one team that everyone says you got to buy in, buy in, buy in. This year was SMU. A lot of people, they're my first Sweet 16 team to go down, so it's yeah. frustrating. But props to USC. They work their way in, and then they come in and they're able to get a big win in their first game against SMU. Surprised a lot of people. They got to feel pretty good. Yeah, they certainly do. Right now you've got Wichita State and uh, uh, Dayton. Okay. Wichita State was another one of those teams out there, the 10 seed. They're seated way too low. They're going to make some waves. They were tied with Dayton 18 minutes to go in the second half. I've got Wichita State beating Kentucky in the second round, so they better win this game. I've got Kentucky moving on, so yeah. if they don't win, then so what? But still, it's like, come on, Shockers, step it up. You want the respect, then you got to come out and win this game. You can't go out and drop it to Dayton. I think Greg Marshall is the most underrated coach in the country. He's awesome. He has taken a Wichita State program that nobody had any reason to know anything about. Took them to the Final Four a, year, a couple of years ago. They were a number one seed. They lose some of their best players, and this year they go 30-4. and four. You been to Wichita before? Uh, I've driven through Wichita. Yeah. I've been to Wichita several times. Not a lot there, so it's pretty cool that you can have such a good program in an obscure place. When I was a kid, I wanted to go to Wichita State. Why? Because of their baseball team. I, I, okay. I loved college baseball as a young kid. I was, yeah, I was they've always had a good baseball team. I had a Wichita State hat. It was one of those, you know, with the yellow in front and black all the way around it. Remember Darren Dreifert, the former Dodgers pitcher? He was their stud pitcher. I wanted to go to Wichita State when I was like 10 years old. I've just always liked the nickname Shockers. I like that. Well, you know, they give out instead of foam fingers, they give out the foam shocker hands. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah. They do? <laughs> they do. 
Well, of course they do at Wichita State. That's inappropriate, but well, they yeah. should have known. Kansas beating up on UC Davis, 82-45 right now. Duke has a nine-point lead on Troy at the half. Cincinnati's leading Kansas State by 11. Later on tonight, Michigan State, Miami, Kentucky, Northern Kentucky, Marquette, South Carolina. And the night finishes up 6:57 tip-off between UCLA and, Kansas, and uh, Kent State. You remember who the, uh, the big Kent State basketball player was back in the day? When they made their run to the Elite Eight? I can't remember off the top of my head. You might recognize the name. Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates. Now he's a football star. Yeah. Gosh. He turned out Great pretty athlete. good. Yeah. Didn't he? Phenomenal athlete. All right. On to the Trailblazers. Evan Turner's back. Is he playing tomorrow? Hopefully so, yeah. I mean, I, we haven't completely made that determination, but most likely. So there, there you go. Oh, we haven't decided yet. Probably. Yeah. He's going to play. They wouldn't have looked at it this way. Why would they fly him out to Atlanta to join the team when you got two games left on the road trip unless yeah. he was going to play? So, of course, he's going to play. The big question is, will we see him in the starting lineup? Because before he got hurt, he was starting at the three along with Dame, CJ, and the rest of the guys. Right. And, look, it, it's the right move to get him in now. The sooner you can get With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill him in this even if he plays 10 minutes the sooner you get him in the sooner he can get back to being at full strength and get into a flow and that is so important because down the stretch you've got all those home games you play the timberwolves three times you play the denver nuggets you play some of those teams that are right in that mix and what really stunk about the injury to turner was he was playing his best basketball right before he went down just another snake bite for the blazers but it's nice that he's back and i like it because you know, Turner's one of those guys that he does so many different things when he's on the floor, whether it be with defense or distributing or his ability to create for himself off the bounce. He's important, and so they need to get him back into the flow, whether that's going to be, you know, as eventually part of the starting lineup or off the bench. He's got a lot of things to contribute. At least the Blazers now at full strength heading down the stretch, and that's critical. If you were talking to Terry Stotts right now, would you ask him if Evan Turner was going to start on Saturday? Yes, because I want to see his reaction. Anytime he's asking about the starting lineup, he just clinches up. Joe Freeman did ask Terry Stotts that question today in Atlanta. Good, Joe. Everybody wants to know if he's going to start or not. I know how you love that question. It's yeah. kind of hard to work a guy back in into a starting role yeah. when you guys are playing so well, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well <laughs> said. <laughs> anything you can offer on that subject beyond... No, I, answers. no, I thought you uh, worded it very well. Well, Joe was pretty eloquent in his asking of that question. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah. there you go. They're not going to put him back in the starting lineup, at least not right now, because they're playing their best basketball of the season right now. Turner has not played with Nurkic since the trade went down. 
you can't put Turner back in and disrupt the chemistry they have right now. No. That would be foolishness. So you bring him along slowly, bring him off the bench, let Harkless continue to play the three, and you don't make any changes to the starting lineup unless you go through a five or six or seven-game losing streak. So I think we'll see Harkless at the three the rest of the way out. I, I would agree. It, it makes complete sense. I, I, look, you're, like you said, you're playing your best basketball of the season. You had your first four-game win streak of the yeah. season. It took a long time for that to happen. So why disrupt things? Yes, and Stotts is very superstitious. Yeah. When he has success doing things one way, Stotts is not the type of guy to mix that up and change it around. Right, and, and look, there might be a need for a change, okay? Evan Turner has proven on this team he is a better basketball player as a starter than he is coming off of and the And he's bench. a better player than Mo Harkless, but they're playing better basketball as a unit right now, so you just don't mix it up. And if you go through a losing streak and you yeah. want to put Turner back in once he's got some game time under his belt, then that's fine. But right now, no way. Right. They're, they're, they're not, you know, it, it's not ancient times. They're not carving it into stone, okay? He's writing it down in pen. You can cross it out and write something else in there. And if he needs to, he will. Evan Turner talked about getting ready to play in game action. The hand didn't hurt at all. Obviously, I'm playing with a strap and a little brace over it, too. So, you know, once again, this past few days, it's been trying to get back to getting, uh, you know, the grip of the ball. That's the biggest thing. And obviously, just getting my, my body used defensively and, uh, you know, just sliding and everything. I stripped the ball a couple of times with my right hand and, um, you know, made some moves and, you know, tried to work on the stuff I've been doing on my left hand as well. What stood out to me were the two things he said there about gripping the ball. It's his shooting hand and then trying to strip the ball with his right hand. You've got to have confidence that you're not going to re-injure that hand. And it's that way with any injury. If it's a knee injury, if it's a back injury, whatever it is, if you're not completely confident that you can play your game of basketball after an injury, you will not have success. And the thing that will worry, worry me about an injury like that, you know how basketball is, you're running around, someone smacks your hand or it gets, you know, caught in between a couple of dudes. So I think just that first hit or that first bit of contact will be good for him so he can be like, okay, my hand's good here. I can proceed with my my playing. So you think by the end of the weekend, obviously we will see some Evan Turner and we'll get a better feel of what this team is going to be. Yes, I think we'll see him tomorrow. I think we'll see him on Sunday. And then Stotts will use him liberally off the bench the rest of the way out. Yeah, and I, I really want to see this team fully healthy, and now we finally will. My big concern, though, is, man, it's like, Early in the year, and it's different now because, they, you know, they've, they've been together for a while. Alan Crabb and Evan Turner, they they were hurting each other, and that's why the move of putting Turner in the starting lineup really helped out. And Stott said that after he had been starting for a while, he's like, this is more of what we, we – this is more how we envisioned Turner missing into the team. I just hope that he doesn't disrupt Alan Crabb's yeah. game right now because Crabb is playing his best ball. He's being aggressive. And when he's got the hot hand, his teammates have been looking for him. So I just hope it doesn't disrupt Crabb because his contributions of late have been huge. Do we want to finish up with a close victory? I love close victories. This is how things went down in Corvallis earlier today, courtesy of our friend Ron Callen. Shot clock is now turned on. Kim out to Benton. It's coming down to a last shot for Long Beach State. Benton, eight seconds to go. Benton, six seconds to go. Puts up a 16-footer. No good. Rebound battle for Two seconds to go. One. Kim, a wild shot. No good. And the Oregon State Beavers survive Long Beach State by a score of 56 to 55 and advance to round two of the NCAA playoffs. Ah, you can take a sigh of relief, Beaver fans. You've moved on. You beat 
the juggernaut that is Long Beach State, and you're moving on to the second round. Poor Ron Callen. He was gripping right there. I could hear it in his call. He was concerned, but the Beavers can proceed. That would have been a huge disappointment as a two seed to get beat at home by Long Beach State. And without UConn being in their bracket, they've got a path to the Final Four. South Carolina is the number one. UConn's on the other side of the of the uh, tournament, so they wouldn't face the Huskies, who they got blown out by last year until the national championship game if they get there. This was the year we could see something big, but we still can't. <sighs> Ron Callen. Love me some Ron Callen. <laughs> I need to go get a beer with that dude. I love the old school broadcasters. Ron Callen's one of them. Yeah, all right. Coming up next, we'll wrap things up. We've got a couple of orders of business. We can tell you how you can win some Blazers tickets. We'll tell you why you need to listen on Monday at 3 o'clock. And we'll finish things up here on a Friday afternoon. You've got the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. Coming back with a little anthrax on a Friday. I like it. Chad doing hang out with me here for another few minutes. You got a busy weekend, Chad. Blazers tomorrow at home again. Or I'm sorry, on the road at Atlanta. On the road at Miami on Saturday. Or on Sunday. Let's try that one more time. And in three, two, one. Blazers at Atlanta on Saturday at Miami on Sunday. You will have warm-up both days starting at 1 o'clock. I'm looking forward to it. Big weekend for the Blazers. Just get one and come back from the five-game trip three and two. Which one? It'll probably be Miami. Yeah. Just because Atlanta creates a lot of mismatch problems with their size. But the Blazers, hey, look, if you, I mean, who knows? They might come out and blow out Atlanta tomorrow. They might come out and get hammered. This team is schizophrenic. They're hard to figure out. But the hard part is, is that tonight, so Isaac hit me up, and he's been wanting to stay at a Motel 6 for a long time. And so I think tonight is that night. We're going to drive up to, I think, a long view and hit the Motel 6 wait, up there. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Of all the Motel 6s in the world you could go to, you're going to drive to Longview and stay at a Motel 6 there. I can't explain that. That's an Isaac thing. He just said, let's go to Longview? Yeah. So I said, you want to do a Motel 6? And he's like, yeah. And I go, well, which one? There's several in the area. I'm thinking like Portland or somewhere in the surrounding area. He's like, Longview. And I'm like, there's one up there. So I pull it up. There there is. The best part is it's close to the Starbucks there. So that'll be helpful in the mornings. To get my coffee, but... Are they close to an urgent care as well? I hope so. It's like, I'm like, son, you know there are other options outside of a Motel 6, right? And he goes, yeah, but dad, I love Motel 6. And he goes, they're convenient. Uh, they're located right off the freeway. And he goes, um, I like to stay there because it smells good and it reminds me or makes me feel like I'm on vacation. So there you go. So I'm going to be at a Motel 6 tonight chilling with my son. Ha- have fun. It's probably going to be one of those that gets like nine channels. You can be able to watch the tournament up there. That Actually, from where you live, that's not terrible of a drive. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Well, the good thing, well, if, if they have Wi-Fi, I can access the tournament games from my laptop right. while Isaac's doing whatever it is he wants to do. Let me see uh, what's on CBS tonight. Kentucky, Northern Kentucky is the CBS game. I'd like to see Kentucky just to see how they look. Uh, Marquette, South Carolina is the TBS game. That's going to be a good one because that could be a close game. Michigan State, Miami will be the TNT game. Got to see that game. Critical. And then the true TV game is UCLA, Kent State. Yeah, here's my thing with UCLA. I'm really, I'm not down with LeVar Ball. And so I kind of want UCLA to get bumped out now because that guy needs to shut his pie hole. Too much. What's funny is, uh, so Weidler tweets in. He says, 
Uh, and with the 15th overall pick in the NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select LeVar Ball. Oh, he, goodness. He tweeted that back with, Portland Trailblazers 2017-18 NBA champion, finals MVP, LeVar Ball. He's just too he much. He would beat MJ. I mean, you got to take LeVar Ball. I don't care if he's 50 years old. He, he would beat MJ. I'm trying to get a feel on Ball. Is he just an arrogant SOB or is, is there some game to his madness? Yes. I think it's a little of both. It's okay. a combination. I, th- I think he's a little nuts. And he's just trying to get some more pub for his kid and probably so going does, out of the wrong way. So he does have a little bit of an idea of what he's trying to accomplish. I think some of it's calculated for sure. Okay, okay. But he's also just out of his freaking mind. I just wonder I just wonder if having a dad like that, is he really helping his kids long term? I'm going to say no, but I just wonder. Right, but is he, is he hurting his kid? That's the thing. Because if if... If Lonzo Ball comes in and he is as money as we think he is, and before the season started, he was projected to be a top three pick. If he comes in and he's as good as he is, it doesn't matter what the hell his dad well, said. Here's why I think it might be hurting them. And this goes back to what Lorenzo Neal used to always tell me when I worked with him down in the Bay Area. Uh, who's the coach? Um, Rex Ryan. He said, Rex, guys loved Rex to an extent, but they said the big problem was is that his mouth because he talked so much junk about everybody that his players would have to pay for his mouth at times. And players got tired of it because they're like, look, you need to, we're the ones out there between the lines. You got to shut up once in a while. And so I wonder if players, when they, especially when they get into the league, how many guys are going to go at them and take it personal because they're like, you know what? I'm not down with your dad. He needs to shut up, and I'm going to take it at you. I just wonder if that could could have an impact. Well, here here's the reason why I see a little bit of a difference there. Let's because say, what dad does that, right? Well, his, his dad, obviously. The, the difference that I see in the comparison is that if you're an NFL player and you've been in the league for 10 years and you go play for Rex Ryan, you're not used to that, okay? You, you're Lonzo Ball. You've grown up with your dad. You know who your dad is. You know how to handle it. You're used to handling it. So I think there's a little bit of a difference there for that reason because he is used to it. Yeah, but it's almost like you're just putting a bullseye on their back. I just don't know. I, there's something weird. It's just weird when you see a dad trying to live off the fame of their children. It's like let them be their own men. You, I mean, you can be the dad and, and be happy and excited and support them, but I don't know. It's, to be that mouthy and to always have something to say, it's just my dad is just the exact opposite of that. My dad never says anything. So when I see that, yeah, I'm my dad's like, like the quietest dude ever. Yeah, hey dad, did you listen today? Yeah, what'd you think? Oh, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah. I'm out of here. That's about the same thing as as what my dad says. I had a friend of mine. My dad was uh, a real estate appraiser for his career. He worked for the Army Corps of Engineers, and I had a friend of mine who was going into uh, appraisal. And so he goes, you know, do you think your dad would be okay if I called him to ask him some questions? I said, sure. So I gave him his number. And then later on, I was like, well, did you talk to my dad? And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah. I said, how would it go? He goes, well, I get this feeling like he doesn't like me. And I'm like, no, he just doesn't have much to say. Yeah. He's quiet. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, Was your dad was... loud like that? Would he have been like LeVar Ball? No, no. My, my dad is a very, very quiet kind of understated guy. Uh, now, my mom is the one who brags about me. Anytime she talks to anyone ever, you know, oh, my, my son is doing this. He's a, then, Settle down. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know, well, that's what yeah. my dad does, too. Like, people go, are you uh, Chad Doing's dad? And he always gives them the same answer. Well, it depends, you know, because he right. doesn't know what I've been doing or what I've been saying. Yeah, see, my, my family's all on the East Coast, so no one's ever going to ask him that. So, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about that. My mom makes it a point to tell everybody. 
She like, we had a couple of kids when I went to high school. Like, their dads would show up at school all the time, and just, that kind of stuff is just weird to me. That's all. I'm my, just parents all would, my parents would support me playing sports, and they would cheer, but they were never the crazy sports parent ever. Because my dad's not really a sports guy. He likes sports because of me, but he's a music guy. He's a musician, uh, and he, he's he's very quiet. So he, they, they were never those people. But they helped out. They were always supportive. They were just never, like, crazy. So when, in that way. So LeVar Ball, when he was talking about how I used to beat MJ at one-on-one, he just, he's just talking junk. He man. averaged 2.2 points a game at Washington State. He's not beating MJ in anything. Hey, quickly, Chad, I want to let everybody know that you can swing by the Rip City Radio booth at the Shamrock Run Fitness Fair today and tomorrow. That's at the Oregon Convention Center. You've got a shot to win a pair of tickets to a Blazers game. You have to tell them, though, that Travis and Chad sent you. If you don't, they will not tell you that they have Blazers tickets. You've got to tell them that Chad and I sent you. Go to the Rip City Radio booth at the Shamrock Run Fitness Fair today and tomorrow. It's at the Oregon Convention Center. You'll have a shot to win Blazers tickets. Go. Do we have any of those foam fingers at the booth? No. Do we have any of the foam shockers over there either? I don't know. Those things are real. They exist. You didn't believe me. What is this big announcement on Monday? Well, I wish had, I knew. You have to wait till Monday to find oh, out. Dang it. Can't tell you that. Monday, 3 o'clock, tune in. We will have a very big announcement. It will change your life forever. Eh, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But Monday at 3 o'clock, we will have an announcement here on the Rip City Drive. So please stick around for that. Or come back for that. I'm glad my dad's not LeVar Ball. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm glad my dad's not LeVar Ball, too. I think LeVar Ball is a clown. I've, I've come to an understanding. He might have some smarts to what he's doing, but it's like, shut your mouth, all right? There, shut there's, up, there's some entertainment there, and I will, I will leave it at that. Sometimes it can be uh, moderately entertaining. Anyway. <laughs> Even if I tried that, Isaac would tell me to show up. be like, Dad, don't embarrass me right now. Can I, can I see that happen sometime? I did. I was at school. He made the honor roll. I tried to give him a hug and a kiss afterwards. He, he did this deal where he backed up. He goes, and he kind of leaned. He goes, uh, Dad, don't embarrass me. I'm like, sorry, my bad. Yeah. I was being Good the uh, dumb father, the douchey father. Chad, it was fun. Always appreciate you stopping by for a few hours. Thanks for letting me hang out with you, Trav. Always. Thanks to Mike Shacker on the other side of the glass. Thank you for joining us to Dan Dickow. And... Was that chime for me? No, uh-huh. I don't know what it was. Uh, and to Jerry Allen as well. Enjoy your hoops weekend. We'll see you Monday for our big announcement at 3 o'clock. This is the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.